At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Dinty from Dinty's Hideaway, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Frodo, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Nightmare Highway Highway Nightmare Highway. Sure, I love my sailor man and firefall. Go on a rampage for some super pitfall. Shanghai me into a game of rogue or demon attack. But sooner or later, you know. Sing along if you know the words. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Highway. I can't sing it together. It's not a road. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge furniture, and you'll be a pop star. Well, okay, not maybe I'll just stick to the facts. Never seen them. To tell this truth, this game really Here we go. need all that. Nightmare Highway. Highway. Yeah. Nightmare Highway. I used to bow down to the Donkey King. Whatever cash man used to be my thing. Megabud, Buzzard Bait, Sea Dragon 2. But none of those can satisfy me much as you do. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Much the whole shit. You know, you hear the whole shit. <laughs> hey, that's my couch. <laughs> so you're the one who threw it on the highway. All right, and we are know. here. It's been a while <laughs> since we've heard the song that 
is just you can sing to it. It's catchy. You can dance to it. Ong that can, broke the uh, internet. Can conceive children <laughs> to this song. Right. It's got so many purposes. Uh, we're here with Cooper Talk, episode 182. <laughs> We've got a panel of panelists that are usually stuck to a wall somewhere because that's what panels do. Panels stick to the wall, but they're here. <laughs> and uh, this episode is certified horseshit free. Uh, we have actually uh, made sure about that. So let's go around the room. Let's see who's here. And let's start talking. Coco, in the top left-hand corner, in the bottom of the world, it's none mm -hmm. other than in the Witness Protection Program, it's David O'Connor. Hey, everybody, I'm here from the land down under. We used to listen to Casey Kasem on the top 40, but we don't anymore. This is Casey Kasem. Yes, this is Casey Kasem, and I'm still dead. All right, and we have our backup streamer and engineer, Mr. Mark Bose. He's with us. How are you? Hello. Shouldn't that have been allegedly David? <laughs> yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, we're, not, we're not here, man. <laughs> His name is Ron. He's got a garage. It's Ron Delvo, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, I've now. seen that garage. <laughs> you lived, yeah. And you live to tell about it, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. From the great white north in O Canada, it is L. Curtis Boyle, everybody. Well, everyone, I haven't got snow here yet, though. Apparently, the south part of the province in Alberta got a dump, so... Wow. Uh, it is he turning into the great white north. He said Oops. dump. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit strike. Hey, 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 watch the language. This is a family show. This is the. Uh, what, what is this? Snow stuff. What is it? <laughs> and. What family is that? We're yes. all family. Curtis Boyle's neighbor in Canada. It is a man whose name is so nice. We must say it thrice. It's Nick Marona, Nick Marona, Nick Marona. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to be All here. All right. And hold on one second. Alexa, do you know the way to San Jose? There are many ways to San Jose. The founders got really? here from Spain by way of Mexico. Okay. Well, this guy knows the way. This guy knows the way to San Jose. It is Michael Furman. Mikey, he likes it. Welcome, Mikey. I definitely know the way to San Jose. Hello, everybody. Hello, right. hey, Mike. Hey, Mikey. Mm -hmm. Recently married and now sitting in the passenger seat for the rest of his life, it is our resident Apple guy, Mark Overholzer. Yay. Do you remember hey, that? This, remember that till uh, yes, we can hear you. Remember the 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 vows ended till death do you part. And uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's called a life sentence. That's right. You are not. You are not eligible for time off for good behavior. So. Uh, oh. Yeah, no. Beautiful ceremony, by the way. Hopefully, you guys got to see Marco's ceremony last weekend live. Yes, it was. Absolutely. You can watch everything. Glorious, glorious. And congratulations on being recently married. Is it wrong okay. to have a countdown clock for the end of the, uh, your honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not. I did not get the link to the live streaming of the honeymoon. By by the way, so. Uh, <laughs> He's breaking up. He's breaking up. Mayday. Mayday. Man down. Man down. I think that Joe broke his connection. That's it. All right. He is seeing into the future. The role of Mark Overholzer today is played by Jason, the Cocoa Man Record. Jason, what's the weather like tomorrow? 
Huh. Uh, well, tonight's forecast <laughs> is partly dark. <laughs> partly battered sunshine in the morning. Uh, oh, and, and he's... There he Mark has it. Mark him. has yeah, his yeah, He takes that with him. Say, I, oh, I got to start right. carrying oh, man, I don't in the have car. my uniform. It's downstairs. Right. Oh. And I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper. All right. I'm excited. Hey, we got a request to chat room for uh, the missus uh, to say hello there, Marco. Oh, we want to hear from Mrs. Overholzer. Uh, she said me at Oh, okay. All right. If you understood what he said, you are a better robot than I am. I think so. I think she's in a different a different location. Sound like he said what? Bada loo bop, the bop, man, boom. All right. But, but it was yes. We got a guy who's got a beard. Yeah, sorry. And his name is Rick Euland. How are you, Rick? Oh, fairly well. You may remember my green leaf crack from last week. Well, I'm ankle deep in leaves today, so. Oh, wonderful. Ankle deep. That's better than ankle deep in what I said this show would be free of today. So leave me alone. On that note, he's somewhere in the Las Vegas proper area. He is the guy who made Digger 3. He's the guy who does some cool things. Chet Simpson is with us. Welcome, Chet. Good morning, everybody. Afternoon and good night. That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's all, folks. Evening, That's it. And we got a guy who's got a cocoa hand waving at us right now. Alan Murphy's with us. Hello, Alan. Howdy, howdy. Uh, today I'm more paneling than panelist, but that's uh, pretty par for the course, I guess. Hope everybody's doing all right. Doing just fine. From down under, the thunder, the creator of more games in one year than has been produced by... Probably Steve Bjork at this point. Nicholas Morantes is with us. Hello, Nick. Good day. Good day, everyone. <laughs> how you doing? All right. Hey, doing okay. how you doing? Doing okay. <laughs> so, um, Alexa, say crikey. I pronounce that crikey, but I'm always working on how I say things, and I might not have it right. You suck. All right. And last, but <laughs> certainly not least. Yeah. She said did, crikey. Did someone say crikey cable? <laughs> <laughs> this guy has been to Ron's garage. He's lived to tell the tale. He has made some things for the Coco. He likes multicolored wires on his projects. Mr. Paul T. Barton is in the house. Welcome, Paul. Woohoo! Yay. I'm Yay. Sloopy He's Malibu great. is here. Samuel Gimes. We actually have the actual Samuel Gimes is live in the YouTube chat. Legendary. Wow. Uh, song yeah. parodist. The creator of Cocoa Thoughts and parodying of songs. Samuel Gimes is here. Eight Bits in the Basement is here saying hi to Canadian Retro Things who is here. Oh. Jim Rye is here. Jim has been doing some amazing things making VCC not suck. And Jim... Please come on the show and tell us all about what you're doing on VCC. Love to have you on the show. Scott Cooper is here. Frodo is here. Brian Joyce, Nick's neighbor, saying, Crikey, good eye, y'all. James Jones is here. Eric Canales, current president of Glenside Color Computer Club, is here. Nick Morota, Tom C. from Jersey is here. And forget about it. Forget about it. Nimble is here. Nick Morota is here. Curtis Boyle, Kevin Holloway, Mark B. We've got all kinds of people in the live 
panel and we're here we're on coco talk and this is where we talk about the greatest processor on the planet 6502 and so you just need to know poke for commodore basic we need that foot coming down Yes, yes. Commodore Pope Basic. We've just been joined by AC's 8-Bit Zone and Sloopy Malibu, and David Croker has just joined us too. And so we're going to mix it up today. Um, we are because we don't have. Um, <laughs> Frodo says you pronounced Z80 wrong. When we <laughs> apparently the greatest processor <laughs> in the world to, to Frodo is the the Z80 by the Zedlog Corporation. Yes, you got you guys all know that company is called the Zedlog Corporation that made the Z80, right? So um, <laughs> the theme songs by ZZ Top. ZZ Top, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I think I actually I went to that, that company one time. So. We don't have a topic. We don't have a guest. We don't have a show for you, folks. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you next week. All right. So, oh, you have love every week. Is what you're right. Roll the outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk. All right. So, so, so. Uh, a lot of times when we don't have a guest, we might just roll straight into the game on results, and I figured we're gonna mix it up. And today, before we get into Game On results and Game On news and news, we're going to stir the shite pot a little bit. <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and we're going to start off with project updates and acquisitions. This is where you can live vicariously through those who have got dis disposable income and no restraint when it comes to buying retro crap. So, so, so the one time that I don't really have anything to talk about is the time you put it at the beginning of the show. Thanks, Stevie. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm hanging around for the whole show. I got, I got something right here. And today it's like, oh, we're going to do that right away. Okay, well, here I we got, can do. Um, I got something. We nothing. can. This is what we can do. We can do a shameful promotion of your latest product. How about we do that right now? <laughs> I didn't know I was selling a trolley. Right. Wait, Guess I missed the chain. That's not it. I could have sworn I had your new commercial queued up somewhere. I had your commercial queued up somewhere. All right. Oh, there's the missus. Uh, oh, there she is. There's Ms. Overholzer in the house. Let's, let's zoom in. Hello, Hello. And, Hi, Tina. Hey. Hello, Ms. Overholzer. Hi, Tina. And hello, Ms. Overholzer. <laughs> Tina, does Mark have permission Aww. to be on the show? <laughs> Crikey. Crikey. Don't let her watch it. Yes, I do. Oh my god, that is horrible. Your bandwidth yeah, is horrible. Yeah, you got a really bad a connection there, Marco. Yes. All right. Well, congratulations. Congratulations to Mark and condolences to Tina. Um, and we're moving on. So, um, I thought I had the new commercial queued up. I don't. I suck. My bad. But... Let's go ahead and let's see who's got something new to talk about and things to share. Project updates, acquisitions, show and tell. Mikey Furman is raising his hand right now. Very polite of you, Mikey. Well-mannered. I'm not used to that from you California folk, but that's good. Oh, really? <laughs> you think I, think I like stirring things up to you? Hey, Mike, we, we got special long news segment for you today. Just for you. Special long catch up on your sleep, so we figured we'd make it longer. Any smoke around there, Mikey? 
uh, yeah, the air sucks today, but I don't know where the smoke is coming from. Most of the fires are almost I'm out, as far as I know. Is Tommy Chong in your area? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Most of it's coming from the politicians, I think. It, it's some 6502s around. Yeah, all them 6502s are heating up the atmosphere. No, I don't have a 6502, but I do have an FPGA. So this week uh, they decided to open up my uh, office, the, my place of employment, and uh, allowed us to uh, remove our personal items. And one thing that's been hanging out there on my desk is... This is, uh, I've shown this before, it's a FPGA board, it's an Altera uh, DE2, and uh, it can run a Cocoa, but uh, I've been actually using this to actually learn how to program the FPGA chip, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff. So basically, it's programmable hardware. You can write a program, and you can make whatever kind of hardware you want. Well, I mean, there are some limitations, but... You know, once it's to me, it's uh, it's basically just another programming language. And once I learn that and get the hang of it, uh, I want to try to hook this this guy up to a Coco and try to do stuff. Neat. Uh, how much memory does it have? Uh, I think this one has. Oh, it says right on it. It says it has uh, eight megabytes. The RAM chips are here. I don't know if you you'll be able to see that, but it has eight yeah. megabytes yeah. of. Uh, Synchronous DRAM, and then it has uh, flash. How much flash? Ah, uh, it has. It actually has eight megabytes of synchronous of DRAM. Has five twelve k of static RAM and four megabytes of flash. So uh, no. you can hook those hook those up in the FPGA. So Coco three FPGA actually does run on this board. Uh, although I've nev- I have never did I load it. I don't remember if I did or not. But anyway. That's F- not what I'm F- doing F- with it. I'm learning um, uh, Verilog. So FPGAs are such cool devices. So much yep. you can do with them. Cool. Very cool. I always thought FPGA was some type of rogue golf league. Yes, it's the frog. <laughs> it's the frog, a.k.a. French-Canadian for, professional for golfers league. Golf so. frog. <laughs> I thought it was a song by the village people. FPGA. It's fun to stay at the FPGA. So yeah, so uh, everybody. We need to get synchronized on that one. We need to do a video on that. We need to get everybody lined up like a chorus line. Where's guy? Erico has joined us in the live chat. Erico is doing some incredible pixel art work on some really cool semi-graphics looking stuff and uh hopefully we got some of his stuff in the news and yep uh, hopefully do. he'll come on and talk to us when he's got some more stuff to talk about. all right so that was mikey showing off his fpj who else has got a show and tell project update acquisition story to share anyone anyone i have a quick project update uh-oh l curtis boyle ladies and gentlemen has so a- we're <laughs> we're still working on uh, beta 6 which will be out in december um there's a bunch of stuff we're still doing with it. but one of the things i am working on right now uh floyd wrestler who did a bunch of games for Nitrous 9 and OS 9 back in the day in like 1990. We did about five or six of them. One of them is on the current Beta 5. That's the Magic Stones game, but I'm, I'm kind of helping port some of the, or decompile the uh, Base 9 source code for a couple others because now they're running too fast. Um, uh, we sped out the graphics and stuff like that, so some of his other games like Gem Quest and uh, Mine Rescue and a few others there are running uh, too quickly now. So I'm decompiling the Base 9 source code and I'm going to try to get it to slow it back down or maybe, you know, 
smooth out the graphics a little bit or, or do some other little tweaks to it. So that's what I'm in the midst of doing right now. So that'll be a game that will be on, Gem Quest in particular will be on for sure on the Beta 6 with the source code. And then I'll send it off to Floyd because Floyd said he wanted to do some modifications to it too when he gets time. Unfortunately, the, with the COVID stuff, he's actually been more busy than ever with his mm. job. So yeah. Anyway, progress how, of continuing how, uh, proofreading the, the technical reference manuals on stage two. There's a couple changes that uh, we're waiting to get done on that. And then I'll be releasing that probably before Nitrous 9 uh, EOU Beta 6 comes out. So hopefully sometime by the end of this month or early November, we'll have the technical reference manual updated version out for everybody. I saw you had posted something in the Nitrous 9 group, too, about uh, a patch you released for, was it a debug or something like that? You yeah. yeah, it was them. a little typing mistake I did when I optimized it a little bit and screwed up a branch statement. So thank, thanks for catching that uh, for the people that did catch it. And and so you're basically saying right now you hit, things are so optimized that some things are running too fast. Uh, how often have we had to complain, man, this thing is running just too darn fast? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, things were written back for the original graphics driver system, which was quite a bit slower. And uh, now that we've sped it up, especially on the 6 through 9, like it's almost unplayable. You hit the right, right on the joystick, you can literally run off of a cliff, you know, and, and fall down and, and die. This is I'll a... try 25 megahertz on the FPGA, man. <laughs> <laughs> this makes oh, even really though the X at 3 megahertz, it's, it's, it's lickety oh, fast. And, yeah. This is why P- PCs had turbo buttons, so you could slow it down, not to speed it up. Uh, yeah, there's actually, on the FPGA, there's a switch. You can uh, throw it back I'm to like, standard speed. See, yeah. Nitrous needs the turbo button, so you can... Well, I mean, in Nitrous, you can go to another window and do the slowdown poke and actually you'll kick it back to one megahertz and that, that'll do it. Or you can run <laughs> a base nine program. It's just in a for, forever loop, you know, incrementing a variable or something just yeah. to slow the rest of the system down. <laughs> I'm going to try to make it multitasking friendly, which means your other programs won't slow down that much while you're playing the game. That's what I'm kind of shooting for. Very cool. Very cool. Who else has uh, something? I, I wanted to say that I'm uh, working on a game. Oh, uh, and I'd like to, oh. yeah, and it's um, has a similar name to Zaxxon, and it doesn't really work, so I've called it Zaxoff. <laughs> You're gonna release a source code for that too, right? Zaxxon. Yes, Zaxxon. Zaxxoff. Nop, nop, nop. And remind <laughs> us before we finish our updates, Ron. We want to we want to go Come over yes. some of your stuff that you've been doing in the yeah, uh, I got Ron's stuff, garage man. and stuff. Um, who else has got something to share today? Well, I've got some Coco historical kind of things that might be kind of funny. Okay. You mean, his, you mean hysterical? It's hysterical, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I steal a, a screen for a moment? Yeah. Uh, let me, let me stop sharing. You go ahead. And I will take over the world. <laughs> uh, so I want to know is that model one back there a, just a picture because it's always there in the same no, that's, that's the model one that I need to get back to fixing someday but mm. now that my cocoa hobby is taking all my time away from the cocoa much less the model one I'm uh, it just kind of sits there waiting on me I leave it right in front of me so to remind me that uh, I still haven't done anything about it so um Anyway, uh, do we have motherboards? These look like a bunch of yes. Cocoa motherboards. So, yeah, back in the day, Connect would buy systems working or not, and I'd try to fix them, and the ones I couldn't fix ended up in a peach crate, which I have recently dug through and found these kind of interesting ones. So here's my retirement fund now. Uh, <laughs> now one gimme chip. 
Excuse me? They've all been gutted of their gimmies. Oh, they, they've all been, yeah, parts have been pulled from all of these and used to, this This is the bottom of the bucket. I I put together, you know, 100 cocos out of parts, and this is the worst of the lot. Right. I think it's kind of interesting. The one, the only one that says runs is the one with the massive damage between the wrong. Oh, my God. You <laughs> had to read. <laughs> That's the one that runs, mind you. That's the good one. So uh, they're all crying. Yeah. They're all crying out on Abba song. They're going, "Give me, give me." Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need. Yeah, give me X's for everybody. <laughs> so yeah. like you replaced almost all of the CPUs with sockets too. Uh, yeah, these were like I say the first the first attempt at a fix back because I didn't have a scope or anything. So my first attempt at a fix, if it had a border and didn't show up, you know, any text inside that border, I assume CPU and socketed it. Um, except for this one, which has other problems. But in any case, that was kind of fun. And then... Uh, so these are candidates for earrings, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know, now, now, that the things are, now that the things are worth 300 bucks a piece, I'm going to have to look at them again, you know? Yeah, right. At the time, uncomfortable earrings. <laughs> at the time, yeah. I, you could get these for 20 bucks, you know, 30 bucks. Not working, Coco 3? Yeah. So anyway, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, I found this Coco 2 with a composite mod kit on it and the world's oldest temporary jumper yeah. wires you might ever see. So, yeah, 35 years for these push-on J-clips, not a problem. <laughs> so this is fun, and it's old. So I'm, I'm happy with that thing. And then here's a really interesting one you might have read in the rainbow that you can pop your gimme out with two screwdrivers. Customer tried that. Ooh, Didn't realize snap. that Jimmy has a socket around it. He didn't manage to actually pull anything out, but he did cut all of the top traces here, here, and here in his attempt. So uh, the socket uh, yeah. thing is it, it almost works. It uh. works when it's cold. It crashes when it's hot. Um. Here's the opposite. If you only had one screwdriver and you tried to pry the gimme Oh, my out, God. It's missing some teeth there, huh? You would, uh, yeah, swivel these two pins right off of it as it angled up out of the socket. So I have a bunch of gimmies like this that I always intended to get out my Dremel tool and work on, but never did. Uh, so, yeah. Is that uh, first year or second year? It was an 87. This is an 87. 87. Yeah. This, is, this would be a nice gimme if... Uh, if it worked, it's this <laughs> send it to the dentist. It needs a couple of replacement teeth. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't need those teeth anyway. Yeah. I probably did the easy hack where you stick it in and stick a wedge in to make the connections here, and it didn't work. So I just gave up on it. But you know, you get stuff. Um, repacks. We talked about repacks at once. Here's an old one that I always thought was kind of elegant. Um, this actually came from Brother Jeremy because it had died, and we tried to fix it. What they've done is desolder the 40-pin connector, turn it around, shove it back in, but pass sort of halfway past the angles and the pins on it so that it shoots up at a 45-degree angle. Yeah, yeah, I see that, yeah. And that lets you cram a floppy controller in there, and then you just swivel the power thing to one side, and then it goes in the PC case. And That was a, a repack that everyone did because it was considered very, very bad to do any additions, Y-cables, extensions, off of the end here. So you did everything to not do that. Well, I ignored all that crap and three pack <laughs> I sold looked like this. Um, <laughs> Talk about elegant. Huh? 
There's an MPI there. There's an MPI. There's a multi-pack flying off the end of a angled cable. Yeah. yeah. It's just uh, soldered to the motherboard, so there's still only one connection. I, I, <laughs> I Does that run? The number of connections was a problem. So would you need a full-size tower case for one of these? Or? Yeah, this was a full-size tower case. All of the cards sat back over the top of the motherboard. Does kind it run? Of organized as you see. Um, yeah, this one still does. Um, this this was the so-called commercial version. I tried to sell as the cube, but my financing fell apart and my company fell apart, and it never happened. But the idea was, you know, use the stock keyboard. It plugged into here. There's your RGB connector. Oh wow! Old multi-pack um, XT power supply with these connectors. So it was decent. Here was my office version, which was the same thing, but with a Pupo adapter, so I could use a real keyboard um neat this one probably runs but where am i going to find a keyboard so i would have to yeah, do required some... an xt keyboard if i remember correctly yeah. right exactly not even an at check with david ladd he's probably going he's probably got yeah. some i have a uh, good 10 of them i have a model f downstairs <laughs> Sweet. but then it gets worse here was uh here's a hack for you the the gobular thing here was the original serial <laughs> port that I sold for a while and uh, my multi my second multi-pack diet or my multi-pack diet and I had to be online because I was on Delphi every day and I had to have floppy because I was running OS 9 so here we go here's a floppy hack to a serial port with a bit of hard drive cable <laughs> yeah. oh, so uh, there's the back side you plug the serial part in, and then the hard drive, hang, the floppy hangs off of it? it yeah, the cocoa kind of ran right like this, and yeah, it okay. kind of snuck out of there on the side. And Is there a switch? <laughs> no, it kind of passes all the way through, right? Yeah, you run both sides. Oh, yeah, it's a Y cable. It's a Y cable, <laughs> yes. Exactly, it's, it's a Y cable. Okay. I had this, because I sold these, I had this in-house, and I just took a piece of IDC. So, yeah, you can get really, really ugly. On Y cables on a two megahertz machine. It still works. Moral of the story. Yeah, it was fine. I ran it forever. I used it for my shop cocoa when I split up. Um, you know, gotcha. the disposable gotcha. cocoa, the one I have to have. What kind of speeds do you get on it? Oh, th this was just a regular sixty-five fifty-one. Oh. So oh, okay, six hundred no OS nine. Yeah, it was a good day. Um, let's see where we go. The backside of that. Um, Multi-pack. This is. This is really fun. This was I used to sell upgraded multi-packs. So I had sold this to somebody, and it came back. And I just took one out of stock, shipped it to him, and threw it in the pile. And I never looked at it. And I just looked at it while I was going through all this stuff. And the problem was I never pushed these power pins all the way down. <laughs> so it ran for testing, and it died during shipping, and it sat for 25 years. Wow. <laughs> what was the upgrade you did? What's what's the upgrade on the multi-pack? For the Coco 3. So it doesn't... Okay. Yeah, so it doesn't chatter over the gimme. I still got some of these. <laughs> so that's why it didn't work? Is, is it work? The power. I, I, when I upgraded it and I put it all back together, I didn't seat all of these power pins properly. Tend so to. it worked when it was freshly put together in testing but by the time the customer got it it kind of something wiggled, something wiggled, wiggled loose. loose yeah yeah and i just wiggled send him loose. another one I, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, <laughs> what's the dave uh, dave jones uh, wiggle 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 yeah 
<laughs> Wiggle it just a Is little bit. Is that the new new style? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the little one. That's that's the little one. The old ones were these uh, bigger. Yeah, I saw the whole back off. They they came way out back here with mm. the power supply that is missing on this one. I used to use these because you could just stuff in pal chips and no soldering. And when they were plentiful, hey, you see the power supply downgrade. You're on a saber saw down the back side of it. <laughs> and she's wow. downgraded. And then you just feed oh. it from an AT supply. These, these were great machines. I ran this thing forever. Wow. Um, let's see. Is there anything else in this pile? Oh. Is any of that stuff for sale? Oh, look at these. Cocoa 3s with keyboards. And these, yeah, these are my most prominent. Here's my retirement fund right here. Um, <laughs> the, these were dead, but they're all in very good condition. This one will run at low speed, but not high speed, even though it's got good RAM. and it's got Keyboard's super clean. That looks like an Ed Snyder keyboard. That's a Tandy 512K on it. Yep, yep. And... Uh, with with uh, new RAM because, like I say, it wouldn't run at double speed, so I put 120s in it, and that didn't help. So uh, I don't know, huh. you know. But the, these are uh, so I've I've actually got eight, nine, ten Coco threes. If you add it all up, if I could get them all running, like I say, I'd be sitting pretty. <laughs> I could finance my next three projects off of old Cocos. But yeah, <laughs> if I get any of this stuff working, I'm going to make it available. It's it shouldn't be sitting dead. Man. So I'm just trying to force myself to get off my butt by showing it to everybody. So he's like, you get them Cocos done yet? <laughs> Coolio. And I will feel goaded to have to do it. Um, and then. Let's see, I can unshare, but I'll show you my last sad thing that I found in my pile of stuff. Uh, do, 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 let me come back, Zoom. Zoom left me. The, the windowing system on Ubuntu just does not get along with Zoom at all. I've completely lost my main window. Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a pop-up. Stop, share. Oh, and then I found this. Brand new seals. Rescue on Fractulus. Well, it's got a fractal on it. It's got it's a, a fractal. It's a little bendy. <laughs> it's a little fractal, yes. Yeah. But it's still sealed in the plastic. Watch out, folks. It's, also, it's in there. It's a collector. <sighs> wow. That's, yeah. that's worth 20 million bucks on eBay. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I've got one here, but it's not all bendy. And it's yeah. 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 I think that, your, that yours was... is probably worth more because it's, it's custom. Right, right, and that one's just you, you know you could make yours look like his. Oh, that would that would, cool. that would ruin the authenticity, though, wouldn't it? Right, right. It's like antique, modified, something. and that's that's you don't want modified. Cool stuff, Rick. Oh, by the way, thank you for becoming a patron too. I didn't get a chance to update the recording on the show, but I I noticed that today, so thank you for that. Certainly. Um, who else has got some show and tell stuff? Updates, acquisitions, anyone, anyone, Bueller. Bueller. Bueller, no? I can Ch show mine from last, last week again. <laughs> I, I missed it, so sure. Oh, I'm kidding, I'm not doing okay. that. Okay. <laughs> um, any news from Camp uh, Chet? There's Chet muted. Uh, no, actually, not muted, I was thinking I okay. was. Um, actually, yeah, I did. I don't know if anybody saw my post, but I was able to recover uh, the code for Digger One um, through disassembly um, and luck. 
actually, and laziness. So, um, so that's yeah, actually, actually, what I have I'm, that in the game on right news. Ahead. Did you want to save it for that, Chet? Or yeah, we'll, see, right we'll, we'll, we'll no, we'll go ahead and save it for that. I don't want to steal your news and stuff, but yeah, that's kind of the stuff I'm working on right oh, now. Oh, cool. So I'm just yeah, doing that's an interesting finesse. story how you got back some of the original labels and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. want to discuss that. Yeah, so we can talk about that later. That's that's okay. Cool. All right, and then maybe then we're going to turn this over to Ron Delvo then, if nobody else okay. has anything, because Ron's had a very busy week this week showing off artwork and and splash screens and Coco SDC stuff. So Ron's been a busy guy this week. So Ron, are you going to do a share on your end? Okay, I will. All right. Engage number one. Do run, run, run. Do run, run. Okay. Doesn't sound like a share song. What we have here <laughs> is my TDP. Okay. With the dragon. Oh, now, I, what I thought of was I came up with a um, uh, a opening um, graphic yeah. for uh, your computer or anyone's computer. This is for the dragon. I've got uh, a whole bunch I've made. Uh, this is uh, for the VG6 um, mm. Coco VGA. Okay. And uh, I don't know how to program. So what would be cool is if somebody can come up with the code that would make this come up, you know, upon boot, like I, we can do with the um, Color Computer 3. And um, Oh, you mean like kind of modified ROM? Yeah. Well, d yeah, just, uh, well, uh, for instance, uh, the SDC has, uh, I have it so that I can boot up a, uh, a um like auto boot something yeah auto boot something right you know it comes up right from the sdc yeah i actually program. have um i have a program that brendan gave me that would display a splash screen from his graphics mode i can just send you that because i use that at the beginning of kabam where it shows the coco vga logo in the sg6 mode so it's just a little basic program that you can run um in your startup on your Coco SDC to display that image, and then you can have it pause for a period of time or whatever. Yeah, this here is a rendering from uh, Sockmaster's uh, high, high, high color, high color yeah. too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, you one. can see there's a ton of them in here. And I done I did it for the 64k machines, and um, you know that's the original, and then I go and render from that. To um, oh, I think uh, Erico, file. Erico is trying to ask a question about the image. You don't need help with the image being produced. You need to you need help with getting image displayed on the screen for on startup, right? Right. right. So right. we just need a program to fire up that graphic uh, on startup, right. which would go in your SDC file. Yep. Yeah, these look cool. Yeah. So it does work. I have um, on my. Um, machine sitting next to me here i have it so it comes up and then um terry steggy came up with a idea for uh changing the colors on your um oh the palette SDC. yeah yeah and so that worked here here is a a boot okay rondelvo's boot it takes a while because it's loading the screen but um at the same time the um the uh, I have a switcheroo and the yeah, there's HD your screen. Video. Your screen came up on start. Yeah, the H HD video um, thing finally goes away. 
Yeah. You know? Okay. So you actually have the image. You have the image coming up on your boot. Yeah. And then if you hit the hit a key, it goes to the new um, okay. colors. All right. And then there's your basically there's your palette yeah. hack SDC Explorer. Yeah. Which is looks that, cool. Is cool, that huh? a Sockmaster image? Yes. Um, you could probably do that very same image uh, that uses half the memory if you just do a normal screen because that's not really a high color image. And it'll no, be sharper. Not, really? Yeah. It'll be sharper. Well, you guys that program know all that good stuff. <laughs> Those guys that play with stuff. I, I can do artwork. Yeah, yeah. no, it's cool. I like, Very nice I like, artwork. I like your, yeah, uh, I like yeah, your yeah, logos. Yeah, really Thanks, guys. Also, Ron, uh, before you before you let go here, um, yeah. you also posted, and I didn't put this in the news, I completely forgot, and I just saw it when you were going through your pictures there, but you had that Antico ad for making custom ROM cartridges from back in the Oh, day. yeah. You know, I was looking through uh, a um, co- rainbow, and um, it was an early one, I think 83. O- opened a couple of pages, and I saw that, and I thought, is that a ROM pack? Yeah. And, and I saw the ad, and I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll look it up so I can get a good screen print. And I did it. I uh, went to uh, a, a, one of these places that has uh, all the rainbows. And I brought it up, and I did a screen print and put it up and asked if anybody else had any of those uh, ROM packs around. Because we always see the Radio Shack ones, but that's an, a different company, right? Yeah, Antico. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you, if, you, if you can, Ron, do you want to share that screenshot just so people can see what the ad looked like? Uh they did produce a couple commercial cartridges. They had the eight ball pool. I think they sold that way. Um, Intergalactic Force, I think, was another. I'm not sure where it is. Um, I like the color set there. It's pretty nice and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a Commodore 64. It's <laughs> remind me a lot of uh, MS DOS type stuff. A lot of MS DOS menu stuff was always people chose like the white or yellow <laughs> font on the blue Jeez. background. It's got that 6502. I don't know where it is. Are you, is that part of the SETI project it, down it, there, Ron? All those little yeah, codes? No. No? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that, that's like a wizard chart. Okay. Now okay, that's his Bitcoin mining. There's Let's see no, his Bitcoin uh, mining stats down there. Ron's garage. <laughs> it's coming, guys. And there's no intelligent life on this show. I can I have an that extremely much. fast computer. <laughs> 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 and I just thought it was cool because I remember Antico uh, sold games for you know at least six to eight months in Rainbow, but the ad for getting custom-made cartridges and selling the cases and the cartridge ports and the actual boards and stuff was actually, I think, just a couple months they this, advertised this is, that. This is in my uh, observatory, my two, two Color Computer 3s, and then I have a whole bunch of stuff. This is where I'm sitting now. And uh, uh, on, on your lower right there, Ron, where it says Recent yeah. Media, if you click that See All, it should show up in there, I'm thinking. Where's this at? Where it says recent files, see all. Right, the see all over here. here. Yeah, on the right hand side. Right. On the right hand side, <laughs> right it hand says recent. Your other right. Right hand side. <laughs> okay, under recent media, <laughs> recent media. files. Up, up. Yeah, recent up. media. Then see all. Underneath. Yes, hit see all up. under recent okay. media. There we go. And then. And there it is. Oh, right there. Okay. <clears throat> there you go. There it is. Enter into the newest dimension for your color computer and TDP one hundred Antico. Yes, I remember that company. Rom Pack. Application, high-res games, utility, experiment, 2K, 4K, 8K. Very good. Uh, And Ron Ron got involved and it became the Ron Pack. Yeah, right. Uh, That's it. That's what you should get into, Ron. I was thinking the same thing. You should bring that back and call it the Ron Pack. The Ron Pack. (laughs) The only problem is I have no ROM in my head to do it. But they'll sure look pretty. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. 
They say that memory is the first thing to go. And what was the set? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, very cool. Very cool stuff. Anybody else have an update or acquisition? Show and tell? Project update? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? All right. <laughs> then we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back with a brand new Coco Thoughts from Samuel Gimes, which I believe is Game On related and I believe is probably a song parody, which is one of Ron Vaux's favorite things. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then, uh, yes. Okay. So uh, just real quick, just to, uh, something to think about before we go to commercial. Jesus or Satan? Which one do you guys like better? I don't know. Okay. No, we're kidding. We're moving on. Come on. Just so you know. Just so. All <laughs> Time right, to go so. to the bathroom. <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break. <laughs> And we're gonna break, we're gonna play us right now a little Coco Dew for you as we go to commercial here. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. Oops, there it is. Holy shit. Oh. Okay. No. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Coco de c'est le coq champion des micros et dames le pion Pour le jeu il est pas patron, les études c'est pas bizarre L'expansion il en va pas, les commandes tu vois mon fond Notre coco est programmable, pour tes cours c'est bien serviable Coco de de radio chaton, l'enfer est en dessin un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. 
Radio Shack's store-wide manager's rent tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. And now, Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I'm the Shock Trooper. And I'm gonna shoot the alien. <laughs> I'm the shock trooper. And I know they're not mammalian. <laughs> All around my hometown. I'm trying to track them down. Dodge the lasers and the evil zaproids To save all of the humanoids I save all the humanoids And I say I'm the shock trooper And I swear I'll make the best of <laughs> I'm the Shaw Trooper. The mojo Clearly going on. All those Terminators will commence. <laughs> those aliens always hated us. <laughs> For what I don't know. <laughs> they are trying to plant their seeds. I say kill them before they grow. I say kill them before they grow. I say... I'm the shock trooper. And I will avoid the filter grids. I'm the shock trooper. Particle emitters be forbid. <laughs> Clever. Oh, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> I didn't know what he would do with the game this week. That was excellent, Sam. Oh, song oh. to the tune of I Shot the Sheriff for those who weren't aware. Uh, defunct. MG. Defunct. That was that was I don't know uh, Samuel Gimes I don't know how he does it I, I do like know. Tim Franklin's comment in the chat though such a talented singer just not sure what he's talented in though. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit when I pick a game I kind of I wonder is Samuel going to be able to be able to do anything with this I don't yeah. like that affect my decision but i do uh it does cross my mind when I pick them so. I, I think at this I point go. Samuel Gimes has crossed all boundaries. I don't think there's a song or a game that Samuel is not capable of doing. He has crossed all boundaries. He's restraining order. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, and I tell you what, I did because I missed the show last week. I didn't. 
um, see the video of the Marble Madness until this morning when I was getting ready for the show, and I really liked the Marble Madness one too. That was really good. So really um, clever stuff. Clever stuff from the minds of Samuel Gimes. Uh, good stuff. It is now time for Nick Marotas' favorite part of the show because it's all about him at this point. Absolutely. So, without any further ado, here we go with the Game On High Score Challenge introduction and results. High Score Challenge. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Shock Trooper with 26 players. Our Ellen Murphy, 8,378. Ken Reichard, 15,239. Brian Weasler, 18,337. Louis, 22,078. Mr. Dave, 23,043. Catlord, 23,132. Canadian Retro Things, 23,617. Mark Bosley, 24,347. OG Stevie Stroh, 24,623. Me, 26,099. Tom C, 27,337. Jim Rye, 28,114. Buck Owens, 28,285. Just Mike, 31,580. Al Curtis Boyle, 32,009. Sloopy, 32,265. David Ladd, 32,373. Joshua Craker, 32,525. Adam Tandy Dragon Guy, 37,940. 8 Bits in the Basement, 39,201. David Craker, 39,427. Frodo, 43,096. Tasman, 44,663. Chet Simpson, 51,162. Kieran, 59,650. And the number one scorer this week belongs to Erico with 71,329. Nice score. Thank you to everybody who participated this week, and thank you for the suggestion of the game. Wow, good job, Erico. Good job to all the participants. The top 10 was pretty darn good. I feel completely insignificant with my score. I did play, but level three can die. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, oh, thank you. To, easy. Thank you to just Mike and Terry for suggesting the game. And I do have an errata. I apologize uh, to Rogelio, who also submitted a score that got lost. Uh, Thirteen thousand seven sixty-seven. That will be in the official score list that appears in the uh, game on challenge. So we actually had twenty-seven players this week which good is turn out excellent all right that didn't do what i thought it would do all right so uh rainbow review for shock trooper um just when you think the game writers have run out of scenarios along comes a long comes a program that restores your faith in the future of space games such game is shock trooper created by mark data a long time pace setter and innovative programming the challenges are seemingly endless, and the difficulty level is enough to frustrate even veteran game players. Wow, this is a great way to start off a review, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, she did a really great job of, uh, of reviewing this, and uh, 
Apparently the game consists of 14 screens. I didn't, I only saw the first four. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't verify, but allegedly, there huh? allegedly there are 14 screens. Huh? That was several here, of the top players could verify that for you. Yeah. Here are the scores from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, these actually seem reasonable, mm. uh, especially because uh, even though our, our top score was uh, 70, Tasman was able to um, get actually over 100 by doing a, a bit of a what he considered an exploit. So we'll talk about more of that in a bit. Um, but anyway, uh, here's some gameplay submitted by, uh, thank you, Ken Raker, for submitting this. Uh, this is the first uh, gameplay uh, video that I believe he submitted. So, um, yeah, would oh, you it's guys? Very think- short. <laughs> <laughs> this might have been what he used um, to give Samuel Games for his music video. Yeah, possibly. Yes. So, uh, what do you guys think of the game? Great I really game. Like it. I, I really liked it back in the day. It has excellent theme music. Of course, the game itself is based on the old VTV show. And I even had that kind of warbly organ. Like most of the Coca games have that standard organ sound. This actually had a little bit of a difference to it. Um, good sound effects. Just a generally fun game. And of course, there's that hidden uh, test mode that the original author left in it too. That if you know the right key sequence, you can get to. Yeah, apparently you, you pause the game and go shift O R uh, shift S, which is probably the last three letters of visitors. That's my guess. But nope, it's based on his initials. Oh, then fine. I thought I had a V connection. Yeah, Rob Shaw's the author you, of the game, so go ahead. Does it tell you who shot the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> so that test mode, I guess it gives you some sort of invincibility, but not all. Uh, um, from what I'm I, I think the David Ladd was playing with um, it, You're immune from the bullets, but apparently you're not immune from other things. So I'm not quite sure what test mode does. I never played with it. You can't kill the alien on here, can you? Mm. On this screen. No, those robots, I don't think they're killable. You can, you can just you push can them around. them, yeah. This is as far as I got. <laughs> so apparently you are, getting, you are getting points just for shooting at them. So. Yeah, but your radiation increases. Yes, yes, yeah. true. So I've heard some strategies like when you're, when you're near the radiation decontamination uh, center to just shoot your ray and maximize your radiation skip points and then go into the contamination, decontamination. Well for, well, for the first level, if you just go up to the top right corner and just wait for those little at-looking things to come out, just keep on shooting them until your, uh, until your uh, radiation gets close to the end, you can get about 25,000 points on that first stage. Oh, I, I thought those things, to me, reminded me of the uh, ED-209 from uh, RoboCop, the enforcement droid. So it could be like a little mini walker, too. Yeah. Actually, since Don't we're talking it. about this already, let's let's skip ahead to Tasman's video. So his, he's, he he uh, he will uh, will link to the full video, which is like forty five minutes long. This is just a ninety second uh, highlight reel of this of the main points. But Tasman was able to get over over a hundred thousand. So just like Chet was saying, basically... Yeah, I guess that is more like an at-at than it is. I don't know why. I, when I, back in the day, I used to think it was a RoboCop thing. So this is on screen four. He would hang around and just shoot them. Uh, um, right. as, and then go down to the decontamination cent, uh, center. And, <laughs> he only got 19,000. Well, that's because he's not done yet. <laughs> well, no, so that's on this. That's, no, you can get 25,000 each, each go around. So then he skips ahead to... Uh, uh, and. This is level four, sorry. This is screen four. Yeah. And he rescues the three uh, the three guys. 
They so that that little thing where the radar is pointing down is that what the spawner is to generate the uh, ATST looking thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then he hangs around up here and just keeps shooting okay. until his radiation. Right. So you're, just, you're basically you're farming him at this point. Yeah. Right. And by the way, if this was Call of Duty and somebody killed me on a spawn kill like this, I would just <laughs> I would say what I was going to do to their mother. Uh, over the headset. <laughs> oh, why say it? So, so he, he he just he repeats this ad nauseum until yeah. he gets to a point where he can no longer he and he, he basically is maximizing the score in this. Not that was his. Oh, goal. see, but when you're standing on that thing, you can't shoot. Yeah, the, the so little rainbow colors up, going across. Yeah. So he ended up with 123, but he didn't submit this as a score because he felt it was taking. Uh, right. Yeah. I remember when I remember one night when I was playing this. Karen was in the Discord chat too. He mentioned that too. He's like, he knew the farming trick where you could sit there and just let him keep respawning and just keep shooting them for points. Um, but uh, thank you, Tasman, for submitting that, and we'll have a we'll have well. A, a so is that cheating? I don't know that that's necessarily cheating. It's it, you're exploiting the game, but if you're playing the game with the normal number of lives. It's kind of like, you know, we, we figured a few things out when we played Donkey King, where if you jumped over more barrels and if you got the hammer and you used the hammer the whole time for more yeah. points, there are certain things you can do that are legitimately getting you some points. And, you know, when you're playing for points, that's not the worst thing in the world to do, I guess, right? That was, that was purely his call. Um, I would have yeah. respected either way. If he would have yeah. submitted it as a score, I would have taken it. I would take that, that as was... con completely legit. I mean, if you're going for yeah. score, <clears throat> I usually played these games to see if I could get through all the levels. That yeah. was more my yeah. my thing. Yeah, if you're going for a speed run, you skip all that crap. If you're going for score, I mean, which is kind of what this is, the high score challenge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> Exploit all you want, man. Yeah. So he's number one. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. It is a fun game. I found some bugs. We saw a few things. I found where you could start walking and erase part of the wall. The floor, you know, and as you were walking, it would destroy part of the floor, and then you could create a big gap that you couldn't get across. I remember seeing stuff like that. So there was a few bugs in it. Um, but very cool design, great concept, great execution, minus the bugs. I also found the collision detection sucked. If the freaking robot was, like, nowhere near you, you, over, you still got electrocuted and died. So um, This is Canadian Retro Things playthrough. I don't know if... Uh, if um uh, the other two showed the invisibility, but I know Canadian Retro Things does use the invisibility during his. Uh, his yeah, play, yeah, I've... which lets you uh, that which lets you avoid getting shot, but at the cost of uh, getting radiation shoots up. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the invisibility thing is funny because when I first played this, of course, it was part of like most of us did as kids because we couldn't afford these games. But uh, I had no idea about the invisibility until years later. Yeah. It's helpful. There's there's the one there's the one screen where you got the thing shooting into the mirror, and it's such a tight window of trying to get down to shoot that thing that it's actually that, that's when I had used the uh, the transparency thing. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, Go ahead. This is the same guy who made. Um, Touch oh, just to bring that up. Touch Tomb, yeah. yeah, Rob Shaw. So uh, Touch Tomb is the earlier game. This was a little bit later, so I think this is a bit more finesse than Touch Tomb was. Um, you know, music-wise and, and some mm -hmm. of the, the graphics and stuff. But, uh, definitely based on the same rough engine, I would say. Now, did he also do um, that um, Bandit O game? El Bandito? Yeah. <laughs> El Bandito? He's yeah. just looking for excuse to make fun of me. El That's how it's spelled. What do you want me to do? So there's the, there he went invisible. Yeah. 
but his radiation is because that's in, because there's only a handful of games that use this inverse mode where it was the white background with black on white then but it worked very well for those games so el, el bandito was one of them um fangman who did el bandito and fangman was that rob shaw david too? crandall oh david crandall okay yeah. all right but same concept use this same mode and used it well so there was you know those, so there's four games that come to mind on the coco that use the inverse p mode four screen extremely well because we typically don't think it was a white background is really a good choice for an arcade game. But these games here, it just really worked, you know? Yeah, and I know that's Nick Morandi's one of his main complaints about a lot of the games. He hates that, you know, white border when you're doing a black background on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, so like Chet, or I, th- or I think you had mentioned that the, the collision detection is a very large box around the player that extends past where he actually is. Yeah. yeah. That was something else I know Nick had mentioned that he wasn't a big fan of dying. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, so there was definitely some some rage quit moments there when you're trying to play a fair game and the freaking robot screws you before he even gets near you, you know? I don't know, even when you're playing an unfair game, that sucks. Curse you, robot! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, as I mentioned, this is Canadian Retro Things. He's been uh, featuring our Game of the Week on his show for the last few weeks. Yeah. Same thing... uh, yeah, unfortunately for Ken, I mean, he's he's had his main PCs that do his video capture from the real Coco's actually quit working and uh, for doing video capture. So he's actually having been played with VCC, which is why we see kind of the odd character set, not the full one mm-hmm. here on his video. Hopefully he gets it running again because I know his videos on the real Coco actually you know looked a lot better. Oh, here's the part you were talking about, Steve. No, there was one where it's a lot closer. It was like on screen two or screen three on your first round where there's a gun and the the gun's like an inch away from the mirror. So you've got like no time to squeeze between the shots. Um, Yeah. Yeah, this one's actually pretty easy. You just wait until the shot bounces off the mirror and just goes back in. Then you just go up and shoot through that hole and and blast the... Yeah, here he must be pointing to the fact that you have those no shoot zones there with the, uh, um, the colored floor. And of course, the longer your shot goes, the more your radiation yes. builds up, even yeah. from shooting. Yeah. So. Which is a neat concept. I can't think of an, uh, too many games that, that did that. You know, kind of managing the radiation with your shots. Now, now Nick Morota, did you get any videos showing like people wrapping the game back to the beginning? Because I, I hear there's some extra things that show up when you wrap it. No, I did not. These are the three videos that I received this week. And how many ship parts are there total that you're supposed to get? Uh, Chet, do you know? It's like three or four, I thought. Because I, the, I guess, I guess four. If you ask me, that sounds like a bunch of ship. Yeah, ship is ship loaded. Some horse ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> that cool game though. I enjoyed. Yeah. it. I enjoyed it to a bit, and then I got frustrated. So, <laughs> but I participated. Is, much like this, this show. This is not one I played back in the day. It's not what I played back in the day, so I would not have thought of it. Yeah. So thank you to Terry again, Terry, Stiggy, and Just Mike for suggesting this one. And yes, I do take suggestions. Just PM me, and uh, I'll try to make a list of the games we've already done um, for those who join the series later. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe a site that has some of the... Yeah, uh, I meant the, to do uh, that. We talked about that. I should open up a blog post on the uh, Coco Talk. Page but anyway, I do. I, a blog, yeah. I love suggestions because I, I mean, I have a list in my mind of the things I played, but um, I'm looking to find discover new games as well. So, okay, and this one turned to be very popular. I was very, uh, very happy with that. Erico said that once you flip the game, the timing for the enemy shooting gets smaller. I guess that must mean they shoot quicker, they don't pause as long before they start firing at you. 
He also says, I haven't seen anything different up to level 11 on a second run, so oh, okay. he's made it pretty far. I, so I did discover, like, playing it on keyboard on an emulator for me was just a pain in the ass. I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to switch over to my real cook and play on the joystick, but it was definitely easier with the joystick from what I remember back in the day. So... So, you, you, can I suggest uh, for the future the uh, the new math tutor? <laughs> <laughs> we can all have a blast with the new math tutor. I'll put that in the same block as uh, Color Script Set. Well, we've yes. already done Color yes. Script Set. We need Color Script Set 2. Yes. Well, Electric Boogaloo. Don't forget Profile. We should do Disc Script Set at least. So. Cool. Uh, all right. Oh, apparently it temporarily stuns them. Oh, what? When you're invisible? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not. I didn't want. I don't remember what the audio was that mm. went with this. But uh, all right. So are we? Uh, we ready to move to the next game? Uh, yeah, I'd be really curious to know what the next game of the week, game of next week is going to be. There, Nick Morota. All right. So I tried to pick games that had some sort of a, because it's October. I tried to pick games that had some sort of um, kind. I don't know if it's a scary, but this week was aliens. So uh, next week is going to be a uh, monster game. Ooh, the Fangman? Monster match. Oh, Rampage. 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 That's right, yeah. Rampage. Coco 3. Um, and uh, obviously it's a uh, port, of, an official port of the arcade game of the same name. And um, Darn good one. And there's options you can pick uh, three up to three players. We're going to play one player, obviously, but you can change the uh, which controller affects which player. So if you want to play as Lizzie, uh, you should be able to go in here and, and assign it to a keyboard or uh, to a joystick, unless you want to play keyboard, whatever. So uh, that's our game of the week for next week. And, and, uh, and thanks, one man. of the things that Steve Bjork says is this game helped extend the life of the Coco 3 a little bit because they saw this one playing. They were trying to say how good the Tandy 1000 was, and they saw that this was the one playing. It's like, no, that's the Coco version. I'm like, ah. So. Oh, yeah. This was definitely one of the top, one yeah. of the best arcade conversions uh, on, on the Coco 3 for sure. This was, was one that uh, Boat of Car John Schaller on the Amigos really, really hypes up as being a really good conversion of Rampage, too. Oh, good. Yeah. Platforms. What, what did Lizzie Borden do? <laughs> <laughs> I always pulled this one out to show off my Coco 3. Just. What can it do? Well, here, look at this. Rampage. This, this was the go-to. All right. So thanks again for a fantastic turnout this week. And I look forward to seeing what you guys do with this game this week. Very, very, very thank cool. you, Stevie. Oh, cool. Nice. Thank you, Nick. I know, I know you like this segment. Um, it's my favorite. I'm going to tune out now. Probably. The high score challenge with Nick Marota. It's all about um, me, obviously. Yes. Uh, now, Brian. What do you Weezer. think about me? Brian Weasler has joined us. Hey, Brian. Hello. Sorry, guys. I was late. Uh, work before play, I guess. Priorities, mm. you know, but uh, maybe the wrong priorities. But uh. Yes. Well, we, um, <laughs> we did project updates and acquisitions at the top of the show, and you typically always get something every week. Is there anything you want to tell us about? Oh, geez. You guys are going to catch me off guard here. Uh, uh, I didn't have my stuff together yet. Uh, okay. Well, we can run Game On News yep. and give you time. Yep. That'd be fine. Wait. I got some stuff from his doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we going to just roll into the game on news then, and then which I think will hopefully include some update from Chet on his digger one. 
Sure. Game you on. Want to run the intro or just go straight into it? We're just going to go on into it. Ail hey, Curtis Boyle. Game. David uh, says that Josh is jacked for Rampage. Oh, good. I think I heard a rumor that Mrs. Dave might play Rampage, so hopefully she might be encouraged to. Is that Sharon from Dave and Sharon? Yes. Okay. Yes. That'd be cool. Sharon. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, right, so getting into game on news here. The first one up, uh, Jim Gary was a busy boy this week, like every other week. Um, so the first one here is a new beta for a, an MC10 game called Decoy, which is based on a Dick Smith uh, VZ200 original game. So you can read the instructions there on the screen. I'll just play it for Z. Of course, he's got that awesome MC10 music that I just can't Ten? duplicate. I don't know no. why. but MC10 is a fantastic machine. How many games have been ported from the uh, MC10 to the Coco 3? Oh, look at that. That's kind of pretty almost cool. looks like Sea Dragon, like a sub or something, though. Yeah. Like a spaceship, yeah. But. Would that be none? Uh, to the Coco 3? Well, some of the MC10 <laughs> games do run on Coco 1 and 2, so that would run on a Coco 3. Too. Actually, quite a few of them do, actually. Yeah. So yeah, do you have to a... shoot it through the middle where the at signs are? I believe so. I wonder if he's poking those ads because you can't print the inverted ad. Maybe you can on the MC10. I never thought of at signs as being nasty. They're a pain in the ads. Then you get stuff shooting <laughs> at you from the bottom. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it, def, it definitely because of that thing on the bottom, it, it does give you the sense of movement. You know the the simple scrolling of the yeah. floor. Yeah. What it looks like to me is it looks like one of those games where things just come at you. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, you can, you can mute Jason's mic. Womp, womp, womp. Are those star <laughs> stars up above the sky? You know, it looks like there's the ground and then there's the sky. Yeah, could be. That's a nice way because I mean he, he didn't have the time like running it in basic in, in particular of having to you know draw mountains that actually are scrolling across the entire screen. So just having that cityscape thing on the bottom yeah. gives the illusion of it quite well. Yeah. So, yeah. well, no time for parallaxing within the interpreted basic code. What are you saying here, Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> so, so does the MC10 have a separate region at the bottom? That's handled separately, or is it just no, no, no. The same way as a cocoa. I have a feeling what he's doing there is because you can't print on that last space because the screen will scroll, so he's probably poking that number in. And he's dealing with a yep. thirty-one character string that he's just using mid strings to wrap around to get that one character scroll on it. Uh, yeah, hmm. yeah. Chief Register. That sounds impressive, Steve. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's where it's at. Whatever. So I'm I'm like the other guy of the group, Steve and Ron, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna yeah. set, set you up. You're the straight man, right? Steve yeah. and Ron yeah. in the morning. Hey, Steve and yeah. Ron in the morning. He, how's it going, crazy guys? Hey, guys? So you're Ed McMahon. How wonderful are you, Steve? He's going to take it and run with it. Hello? Uh, just need some yeah. crazy sound effects. Woo! <laughs> All right. Listen, this, we're trying to have a serious show here, guys. Come on. Curtis yeah, is... Uh, <laughs> uh, who said it to be serious? 
What's this sort of shit, man? Come on. Just remember, this show is where it's at. So. That's it. <laughs> Starring C.B. Stonebridge. All right, Curtis, as you were. Okay, the next one up from Jim Gary here is uh, Kingdom of Euphoria, which is a simulation game. Uh, this is supported by Jim from a book called The First Book of Tiny Basic Programs by Dom, Tom Pittman in 1981. So it's it's one of these, you know, simulate you running a kingdom type thing. Uh, we've got other games on the Coco like this, like Erland and Viking and Viking oh, yeah, 2 yeah. and Castle Greymoon and a bunch of others. But it's basically you, you're trying to, you know, have your civilization expand and thrive type thing. Or you can starve them out and kill them off and you get plagues and all kinds of stuff. So it's a, it's a text-based simulation game. Euphoria. If you're into the sim life type stuff or sim city, it's kind of a text version of that type of thing. Well, it's kind of cool that you got that one out too. This Correct. next one's a bit different. It's, it's somewhat coca related. The complete BBC micro games archive page, which is what we're showing here with a filter um, I've published several Fallsoft adventure games. As you'll notice, it says self-published Fallsoft and then you know, my Fallsoft itself. Now, Fallsoft, of course, is the parent company that did Rainbow Magazine. Yeah. So what these people did here on the BBC Micro is they took some of the old text adventure games done in Rainbow Magazine and actually ported them over to the BBC Micro. Oh, neat. So not too often you see a cross. Oh, cross are, like are that, we so. honored or what? We're honored, right? I think so. Honored. I remember the one room one here, the one on the far left, uh, by George Murr. Now, George Murr was a text adventure aficionado, you know, par excellence type thing. He's the one who published AdvMaker, ADV Maker, in uh, Rainbow in August of 82, which was actually the skeleton of a text adventure game with instructions of how to make your own based on that code. You basically just filled in arrays and some logic stuff, but basically the whole core of the game was there. And that's actually my RingQuest game that got published in Rainbow a couple of years later was actually based on that engine, though I changed it a little bit to handle graphics so i, I definitely like george murray because i wouldn't have been able to do that game without yeah, his, his cool. engine so that's cool next up here paul shoemaker um has put up an updated video and a disc image download disc image download is showing here right now uh showing updates to his isometric graphical adventure game that we kind of previewed last week so that's where you can download the demo how about that good-looking banner up there? That is a good-looking banner. <laughs> <laughs> and it's modest author, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> cool. Almost Steve, as help, modest help as Nick wrote Steve. it. <laughs> help me out, Steve. He is. He's extremely <laughs> modest. <laughs> it's my best quality. He's as he's as talented as he is good-looking. So this shows a new layout. So he's expanding. He's got some text, and he's got a, a text character set that's. Um, narrower than a single byte so we can fit more text on the screen okay um and then of course he's got his isometric 3d view here i like that font stuff i love the party you. name have frito the bold stevie gygax eddie ripley uh paul yeah and of course everybody knows who gygax is right gary gygax creator yeah. of Dungeons yeah. and dragons yeah. Uh, yeah why is paul the thief we like paul yeah well, these are roles you can play in Dungeons and Dragons. You can play hey, different uh, character classes. Yeah. yeah, there's there's Paul right there now. <laughs> or because he stole some of the names he used for the characters, so he's a thief. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. Oh, and I'm a cleric. I just realized yeah. that I'm a cleric, huh? Hmm. Yeah, clergy. Yeah, Stevie the Healer. That just doesn't ring true to me. I don't know. <laughs> uh -oh. Clergy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like cool. me being a priest. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I would think you more of a dark lord myself. But. 
That's a conundrum. Mm-hmm. Like me being normal. I like the graphics. Yeah, and here's actually further graphics he did. When these are borrowed from the uh, not the advanced Dungeons and Dragons manuals, but the uh, the basic expert companion guide set. Yeah, neat. It's kind of the beginner's D and D, which is where I first started. And that kobold's got a little bit of a limp wrist thing going on there. Hey, hey guys, <laughs> don't go this way. <laughs> Stay away. Something scary is over here. <laughs> what are you talking about? You cannot pass, or I'll bitch slap you. Yeah. <laughs> those are good. Please. Those are really good scans. Uh, you know, coming out of those books. That that looks absolutely. Really good. Yeah. yeah, especially for just a two-color P mode four screen. So yeah. This is actually kind of similar to the ones he did on his other dungeon game that he had to pull because the original yes. artist. I would really like to see him still get that game redone. Like if Erico or somebody can actually redo the graphics so there's no copyright issues and yeah. actually re-release that game, I'd just love to see that. And actually, if you see on the right here in the comments, somebody actually kind of showed that same graphic which had been ported to another machine in color. Okay, and you yeah. Can see the similar differences there. Yeah. But it's really cool that strictly monochrome, how good this looks. You know, just black and white. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the original Mac games because, I mean, they yeah, had a higher res, yeah. 512, 384, but it was all black and white, yeah, too. And, like and they did some pretty cool stuff. On Mac classic well. stuff, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this is, this is one of the instances where, you know, PAL-based Cocos or the Dragons, who on these modes did not get the artifacting colors, would actually get a better look to the game than yeah. we would. Because in artifact, you have those you know blue and red fringes and yellows and purples and stuff. So. Yeah, you can't do this dithering for shadow on a modern Coco it, or on a NTSC Coco. It just turns into stripes of blue and red. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you use an RGB monitor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you turn By the way, the color down. On the, I have a on whole bunch of. I have a whole bunch of multi-view fonts that only work on RGB because I dithered four colors with little squares like this. Mm. And you put it on composite, it's horrible. There's no <laughs> way to fix it. <laughs> yeah, good job, Paul. Looks really good. Yeah, I'm, looks I'm good. looking forward to seeing this when it becomes available. And this one will make a bit of a discussion topic here. Chad Edward put up this interesting post here on the 14th of a kind of a survey thing of what was your first game ever on a Coco? And this can be either the first game you ever played or the first game you ever purchased uh, or both. Okay. Um, and he's had 233 comments. Wow. So this has been a pretty active topic. So I thought we'd hit the, the panel here. And we can expand on this a bit. I mean, some people were, you know, later on in the comments were going, well, the first one they bought from Radio Shack, because that's all they knew existed was, you know, this game or, or first one they ever played. And then they'd start getting into third party. Like once people discovered <clears throat> Rainbow Magazine, Hot Cocoa, Color Computer Magazine, et cetera. Then all of a sudden, of course, the games library greatly expands. So what was your first one of those? So if you want to just go around the panel, Steve, and uh, see you know, what, what everybody's experience was for the first game that they ever uh, ever played or ever bought or both. Yeah, let me let me find the panel since you have uh, kind let of... Let me stop sharing. So no, 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 that's fine. No. doesn't matter. Okay, so how about I'll be selfish and I'll go first because I just happen to remember. I think the first game I got, period, was um, Caterpillar Attack on cassette because I just remember one of the guys that happened to be in the store at Radio Shack the day I was taking possession of my Coco after weeks and months of layaway and I was getting it and I had the tape player. I remember buying Pyramid 2000 on tape and this guy goes, oh, I got this game and he made a copy of the cassette that had Caterpillar Attack from Tom Mixoff for the old low-res green screen one. So the first two games I remember owning were Pyramid on tape and Caterpillar Attack on tape. Uh, and I guess you'll be next on the list, L. Curtis Boyle. 
Okay, well, I've got a couple of things I'll mention. The first games I ever bought, and I saved up for months to get these because the cartridges are expensive, but I got uh, Skiing and Project Nebula, and that was just after I got my 16K upgrade. Uh, so this would have been probably early 82. So that was the first ones I ever bought at, at Radio Shack. The first one I ever played of a third party, somebody had come into Radio Shack, or one of our local ones here, and loaded Astro Blast by Mark Data Products and, and left it running on the machine. And the manager just let people come in and do stuff like that. He was pretty nice. guy's name was Morris. But I'd never seen artifacted colors before. And I didn't even know what Coco could do it up until that point. I was, this mm. is amazing type thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I talked to Morris and eventually he got the two of us because he knew who the other guy was. And we finally got us to meet. Now, the guy's name was Dick Powell, since passed away. But he was an older fellow that was like a hardware you know, wizard. He was doing all of his own upgrades and things like that. And eventually, because Morris got the two of us to meet, you know, a couple of weeks after I originally saw Astro Blast, we formed the Saskatoon Color Computer Club along with a couple of other people. So... It was very, you know, timely and, and poignant to me that uh, that was the first third-party game. It actually helped us create the club just based on that. Yeah. So, and the first uh, third-party one I ever bought was the first third-party game ever sold in our city, as far as I know, uh, was Phantom Slayer, which is still one of my favorites to this day. Yeah, yeah. And then in the live chat, uh, Amigos Retro Gaming saying first game for me was Megabug. Uh, Ken Reichard says, Jason took mine. <laughs> Jim Rye says, Clendithu on cassette. And turned out it required extended color basic, which I didn't have. <laughs> and how does that actually pronounce? Is it Clendathu? Clendithu? I don't know. How, I where call you put... it Clendathu. I don't know if that's yeah, correct. I'm not sure where you, what syllable you should put the emphasis on there. Um, Scott Cooper <laughs> says, Lancer was my first game on cassette. Brian still Joyce. Best buzzer, or yeah. Still Sorry. best jail. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry if that was bad <laughs> Temple of Rom, best game ever, according to Brian Joyce. Canadian Retro Things, Dungeons of Daggerith on cartridge and Clendathu on tape. Uh, I got them the same time as my computer. Stooges fan says one of my favorite games is Donkey King. Hey, Stooges fan. Um, David O'Connor, you'd be next on the panel to say what your first Coco game you owned or played was. Yeah, my uh, the first game that I ever played was our Game on Challenge about two or three weeks ago. Uh, wow! Became, Stellar yeah, Lifeline, my favourite game for yeah, Stellar Lifeline. No, oh, wow! So uh, I've still got the cartridge of it somewhere. I, I, I'm not sure where I put it, but it is floating around here somewhere. Hmm. Uh, well, Jason, yeah. what what game did you steal from Ken? <laughs> well, I didn't steal it from him. Uh, but you know, interestingly, in the oh, I think he means I stole the answer in, in Facebook. Oh. There, so I got because of course for you know we. We had to share a Coco too, and I, it was bust out. Oh, we had. I believe it came with a bundle. I even still have the cartridge, the ROM pack. I have okay. it right here. But um, it's uh, yeah. I think it, I think there was a bundle. I think it was like a, a 16k Coco two melted keyboard. So we got this is like Christmas of '84. So we got mm -hmm. it a little later than everybody. Most of the people probably on the panel here. But um, yeah, we had a uh, and a couple of Black Beauty joysticks and a 16k Coco two and a. a cassette recorder and i think after that i think eventually we got project nebula and i don't remember exactly how that came about and then a lot of the a lot of things we had were you know a lot of the the type-ins from rainbow tim hey, do you remember the pd the tdp 100 <clears throat> bundled bust out too with with joysticks actually as a bundle mm. too so that was a popular one for oh. bundles <laughs> Tim Linder says math bingo was his first one. <laughs> AC's 8-bit zone says popcorn. It came with his Coco 1. Um, Mark Bosley. I honestly don't remember. 
Okay. Uh, you get you get you get a uh, you get a, a you get a demerit mark. Yeah. That. Uh, they say memory is the first thing to go. And what was the second one? Uh, Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. I I cannot remember what it was called. It was and it's not. I looked for it in Curtis's site and I cannot find it. It was it was some sort of a space shooter, uh, very similar in concept to like Galaxians, but. Um, I remember the aliens were kind of roundish or something, and I, I cannot remember what it was called. It was one of the first games I remember playing. That oh, and that was the roundish aliens attack game. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, good. exactly. Good game. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, the, it was third party, the, or was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the formations were somewhat. There were like three or four different formations in going, and might have, one of them might have, been, or the round I'm thinking of might have been the formation that like they appeared like as a couple of circles of aliens. And I can't remember what it was called though. I'm, I'm trying to think what that would be. I'm like, there's a ton of Galaxian clones. Yeah, Galaxons and Galax yeah. attacks, Galactic attacks. I thought it was called Gazon. Facehawk. That was a totally different game. That wasn't what the game I was thinking of. No, so the Gazon was what that Cobalt thing was doing with the dangling wrist there a little, bit, a little while ago. So it's a... Uh, um, so yeah, I just cannot remember what it was yeah, called. I'm gazing upon you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a Galaxon and Galaxon. Galaxon, Galaxon. Galaxon, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think what other ones there could be there because I, I don't have all the Galaxian clones on my site yet. There's there's a few I know that are missing, but I'm trying to think of ones with circular aliens yeah, I think, or circular. I think it was the formation that was circular. Like there's like three or four different formations that come in. Did we have uh, a um, did we have a gyrus clone on the Coco? Refresh me what gyrus is. Gyrus is where the the aliens are spinning around the planet in the middle. Um, where the, there is a circular formation where the... Like Star the, Castles type of thing? Or? No. 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 Gyrus had like a planet in the middle of the screen and the... Well, it was like three warps to Uranus, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how many to get to Uranus, but mine has got... Uh, <laughs> there's a considerable... Like, it was like three yeah, warps. There is a considerable <laughs> barrier to entry. I'm sure I, entry, I so. saw a screenshot up. <laughs> yeah. I think you're working your way towards Earth and say three warps. You can turn off the show now. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's crap. your new item. Yeah, you, <laughs> album planet. title, isn't it? It's a planet. What do you yeah. want me to do? Yeah. Ask Ron. He'll tell you. <laughs> that's Ron, why astronomers dude. pronounce it Uranus, not Uranus. That's not even <laughs> um okay. Anyway, so we did hear from Nick Morota. Nick says it's a game that was roundy, alieny type game. Um good. Obviously it really stuck out to him because he remembers it so clearly. <laughs> Alan Murphy. So um my first Coco was just color basic and I had no cassette or ROM packs or anything like that. But uh, a guy named David All published a book of basic programs uh, in the late 70s, and I had a copy of that from a library. So my first games were those that came out of that basic games book, and I'd have to type them in each time, and I'd leave mm -hmm. my computer on as much as possible, and my dad would get torqued off at how much electricity I was wasting, you know, that dollar a year or whatever the Coco uses. <laughs> so he'd come in and turn it off all the time, and I had to turn it back on, type in the program again the next time. The, um, the first commercial or available games that I got was uh, for my birthday when it came out. I got Zaxxon on tape along with a cassette. And then uh, shortly after that, I got Dungeons of Dagrath and never looked back. Yay. I, was, I, was, I forgot to mention, actually, the, the type in. Like, I had the same situation. I didn't get a cassette deck for about six to eight months, I think, after I got my original 4K Coco. So I was doing it a lot of the basic manual. Yeah. And yeah. the Blackjack game in the manual actually was not bad for mm -hmm. 4K. Yeah. And the one where the guy, you made the face and the eyes blinked and stuff like that. That yeah. was kind of cool. A Russian yeah. roulette. 
Yeah. Bang, you're dead. Yeah, that would actually probably be it for me then too. Then, yeah. Uh, getting the, started with color basic. Yeah, that's probably my first stuff too. Yeah. Although right, I did. That's mine on there. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thank you, Alan. And then next we have Nick Marentes. What was your first Coco gaming experience? Uh, I, I don't know if I actually ever bought a game or anything from Tandy. I think the, the first cartridge I bought from Tandy was the Ed Tasm ROM pack. Hmm. Uh, and I started programming. That's a, game, game. That one. That's a game, game. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you could call it that. But that was the first thing I bought. Hmm. Um, I think um, I did buy some third-party software from some local supplier, but I can't remember. It was a uh, it was a Tom Mix game of some sort, but I don't know which one it was. Uh, when I got to Coco Three, though, the first game I did buy was Thexter. Uh, much to your disappointment, right? <laughs> uh, it was when I got to the top end level and found it didn't end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the live chat, we had Tim Linder said Math Bingo was his. Um, Ken Record says I brought Project I bought Project Nebula with birthday money. I think Jim Rye says Galactic Attack. Michael Pitsley, after getting bored with a bust out, I got a new game called Madness in the Minotaur. With these games, I almost never wanted to play games on the Coco again. Yeah, those are the two <laughs> worst possible games, right? Uh, Demon Attack was AC's 8-bit zone. Demon Attack. Um, I bought Madness 2 and regretted it. Galax Attack from Migos. Broke Back Coco from Scott Cooper. Broke Back Coco, okay. I think uh, that's a joke. Yes, yeah, somewhere in there. Yes, all right. And Ken, did you did you include the Donut Dilemma? Okay, so I was asking about that. Um, all right. So then we got, we did Nick Morantes, Rick Euland. Well, I didn't buy games for a long time. I finally bought Downland, and uh, to give you an indication of my gaming skills, I still haven't finished it. <laughs> so. <laughs> But uh, yeah, welcome to the still, club. Yeah, Tony Jacques <laughs> says double back. Yeah, double back. I had on. Yeah, it wasn't the first thing I had, but one of my most mem- favorite ones, memorable ones. Yeah. Um, Rondell Vo. Yes. Well, actually, my first Coco would have been a MC10, and the, um, uh, you know the, the pinball game is the first game I got. Oh, La- yeah. Lost Valley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Lost so World that would be the first one, but the actual one on the color computer was, uh, um, I typed it, I I had, my first Coco was a Coco 1 with a multi-pack and a TV and a disk drive, and I had stuff, but I, I actually typed one in, and that was the um, one that you guys were talking about, the um, Kaleidoscope one, or no, the, no, the, it's on there, I got it, if you scroll I put it on there. It was right from the book. Okay. Was it the talking robot face or? No, nope. Uh, there was uh, yeah, the, the one kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. Okay. Or, or, yeah, I remember there was uh, another that, one. I think I remember the, that one too. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of did the scroll. If you scroll down enough, I have an answer on there. Okay. And there was sure, another one in the basic book I remember that was using mid strings to shift stuff, and it made it look like traffic jams were going across. Um, yeah, William Volk in the chat on, on Facebook says the one I wrote, Voyager 1, ah. Travel on Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There it is. There it is. A game from the book. 
Blackjack. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's the one I, I remember typing. Yeah. I think that was the one I left the machine on for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, who else have we not talked to yet? We have not talked to Brian Weasler. I'm kind of in the same boat where I don't exactly remember the first game that I had. Um, actually, with my experience with the Coco was, if you want to call it a ROM pack, would be this guy here. What is that? <laughs> the, the old 300 baud DC modem there. Ah. Uh, so that, that was the first thing I ever ever bought once I got my Coco and plugged it in and started hitting BBSs rather than playing any games. So I was more mm. of a utility guy. But uh, I really don't remember the first game that I mm. got. So, but. Uh, Frodo says Lunar Rover Patrol was his. Good game. <laughs> yeah. And that was yeah, and Stoogie's fan mentions direct Draconian, too. <laughs> yeah. Good game. Uh, who else did we not hear from? We heard Ricky Lynn Rondevo. Chet Simpson. Oh, well, let's see. The first game that I played on a Coco would have been Color Cube, and that was ah. on Radio Shack. Um, that was actually on an old, uh, that would have been, what, maybe a D board? It was a gray case Coco. Um, the first games that I got was uh, I got Zaxxon, Daggerith, and Marathon because the guy, the salesman at Radio Shack gave me a cassette with that on it because ah, okay. he'd already typed it in and I was like, awesome. So I got to play that game that, and that's why I said, that game is great. I love that. For, for being in a magazine, that was a, a really good game. In fact, I spent more time playing that than the other two first and then I got caught on to, uh, to Daggerith and that was, that was great. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I just got lost into that. Very cool. Uh, we got Nick Morenti's Mark Overholzer. If you're not muted, and if not, then it would be Paul T. Barton. So, uh, and then I think that's that's the panel. Paul Barton, do you remember uh, playing any Coco games? And what your first? Oh one yeah, was? Uh, my first Coco was given to me. I think it was a one, and we converted it to. That was when I worked at Tektronics Tech Labs, and I, we converted it to 64K. I had to cut up everything on it. <laughs> But I think the first cartridge I bought was Galactic Attack, and oh. I hated that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found a game in uh, Rainbow Magazine called Trapem, T-R-E-P apostrophe E-M. You had to okay. type in all the hex code. Oh, wow. And it was basically, you had a little spider that walked around, and you boxed it in until it couldn't move. And I have yet to find that. Uh, game again. I'd like to have that one back. Ah, neat. Cool. And then I'm Could not be sure one if, of the Rainbow on discs if it's from Rainbow. Yeah. So I, I don't know if um, yeah. I don't know if if, if is, is Mark Overhars is still here. We did. I'm not sure if Mark is muted if he's on the road. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's that's a pretty good discussion. Looks like it's got a lot of meat on it here on Facebook as people were chiming in. <laughs> Chris Neary says Ed Tasm. <laughs> God, that was Nick Marenti's <laughs> answer too, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's been a few of those actually. Yeah. <laughs> cool. King cool. Tut there is another one. I remember playing that one, but no, that was. Yeah, I, I ended I up that. getting a handful of the um, of the cartridges, but I just I, this the tapes were cheaper, right? So the tape was like fourteen bucks to buy the tape, and the cartridges were like thirty, forty dollars. So. Um, but you play that while you listen to Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> did, did anybody did anybody actually say? Um, uh, 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 forget <laughs> gone. Yeah. Uh, middle blame. No one said that. Oh, come back. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, cool. <laughs> good, good question. Good question posted by Chad Edward, one of Nick Morenti's neighbors in Australia. Uh, 
Yep. Discussion's oh, still going on too. Say? There's been there's been additions to the, the 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 commentary on Facebook on that subject even today. It's still going on. So feel mm-hmm. free to contribute on the quote unquote official list. Mm-hmm. Did anybody say color scripts it? That's what color scripts it. Yes. <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not anybody who's still sane, which even covers Mikey then. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, what's next? Game on news, Al Curtis Boyle. All right, next up, uh, Carl Doherty actually had a pretty cool um, thing here going too. Um, he posted about getting the Burke and Burke port of Cyrus Chess, which is pictured here, um, which is on EOU uh, if you want to kind of fiddle around with it there too as well, which is a Coco Three Eyes version of the Cyrus Chess program. But he decided to put it up against one of those electronic chess boards. And actually had them play each other. Okay. And Cyrus Chess uh, beat it pretty handedly, from what I understand, at least on the first round. And here you can kind of see the, okay. the two facing off. So and do you, you put a some, you put a quarter in the in the battery every time you lose. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a battery bank there. <laughs> and then somebody mentioned the um, mouse pad. Yeah, the Radio Shack mouse pad looks pretty good with the old... Yeah, and the yeah. original color mouse, the one button. <laughs> I'm sorry, Curtis. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, I know. You always do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one interesting thing is he's, he's suggesting that maybe the next time we actually have a Cocoa Fest or something is maybe getting some of the several different programs, because there's a bazillion chess programs yep. for the uh, the Cocoa, and actually pit them against each other and see... There what was one a couple of years ago. I, th- I think one of the guys from Glenside had a, a model... Model know, 3 or something. Model 3 against going against color chess or something like that. So Yeah. I, I do know the original chess cartridge is not very smart. Cyrus is better, but there's other ones like SG Chess and um, you know Cyrus and a few others too. There's there's multiple ones there. It'd be interesting to see which one you know plays plays the best and which one's the most competitive. And also which one doesn't take like 15 minutes to make a single move type thing. So Yeah. Wasn't there um was there somebody that had put two cocos against each other? Chess to chess or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Or am I thinking of a different uh, like the same the same program or just two different? Yeah, I thought chess. there was that some somebody did something one time where they somehow rigged up something to get them playing against each other or something. Or am I thinking of a different game? <laughs> oh, there might have been. Remember. That kind of sounds vaguely yeah. familiar. Okay, I was just that thought popped in my head. <clears throat> Michael Pitsley in the chat is mentioning he has done this test: Cypress versus Cart Chess and even the N64 Chess. So Michael, just post which one won, or was it handedly or barely or? Okay, Frodo's saying you should try Cyrus Chess on the Coco versus Cyrus Chess on the Specky. Yeah, they're actually, they were programmed by the same company, so that yeah, that would be an interesting to thing to see. I mean, if the algorithm's exactly the same, it should be pretty close to a draw, I'd imagine. But uh oh, here's a Ken Ken Make It game here, huh? Yeah, Ken actually posted up a video. I must have been all my whining about the fact his itch.io doesn't have any you know screenshots. He's fixed that. There's screenshots of the actual game in play now. Now he's even starting to do videos. So. He's got to do something to placate the whiny Canadians that are out there. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, put put up videos, eh? Eh? So anyway, who has not seen this game, I might as well give you a quick preview. So. Interplan. Does this have... Oh, look at this. Ah, so kind of like a snaky type thing, snake game where you have to. Yep, you have to avoid the stars and the planet, I think, as well, and try to collect all the, the, all trash, the trash, which is the squares. Okay. Ken says anything for Lord Curtis Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's addressing me by my proper right. titles, so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. 
Look at that. Anyway, Ken's got a ton of his old games now up on yeah. HIO. They're mm. all on the uh, the shareware, bigware type of thing. Yeah, and they're also available if you were to get the Nightmare Highway Cocoa Fest edition as bonus material. Yeah. Um, Alleged cool. bonus. Yeah. Alleged bonus, yeah. Actually, cool. has some pretty cool things there. The one I had not seen before that uh, I remember seeing in 68 Micros, World of 68 Micros, which was kind of the successor to Rainbow. By Frank Swigert is he did a version of the parachute jump program from the old Ataris, Atari video game where you actually you know jump and you have to wind and stuff you have to just when you have to try to land on a small landing pad yeah. and you have to you know wait to the last minute to throw your chute and stuff there so from the mind of Ken Record Inter- and there's just a sample of one of his pages in this case the same game here of HIO name your own price screenshot and video which is Curtis Boyle approved at this point so. Yep, yep. Uh, this is a proper ad for a game. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you finally listened to reason. And... <laughs> I was going to okay. mention before he did this, you want to see a properly done one, look at Chet's version of Digger 3 there, because he's got videos and screenshots and a whole bunch of things there. But but Ken's, you know, catching up. So. Right, listen. But right. he's, got, he's got a ton. I think he's got like over half a dozen games on there already now. You're a difficult man to please, Curtis. Yep, I am. All right. What do we got? Simon Jonathan. Oh, just kidding. Yeah, Simon did another update. This is for the upcoming game he's working on <clears throat> using hardware scrolling. Uh, so in this case, he's actually got some of the vertical movement, and he kind of goes into the technical details here that he's using a, a virtual horizontal enable screen. So it's taking 56K just for the screen. So you have to swap out stuff to get your shapes and, and get the code running and stuff too. So kind of getting to the technical explanations here. Now, I'm going to try full screen this. Let me know if this works because okay. half the time Facebook breaks when I do this. Okay, Are you right. still seeing it? We see it, but it's not moving. Yep. Hit the play button and see if it'll play. It's playing. You no, don't it's not it playing for us now. The guy looks like he's got a purple afro. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's not playing. I hate <laughs> Facebook. Are you, is it playing now? Yeah, it's playing now. Yes. Okay. Okay. No collision detection, obviously. Yeah. But it is it is scrolling. Soon to be coming, though, I'll bet. Yep. And then, like Simon's mentioned many times, he's never actually fully done a game before, so this is kind of new territory for him. He's done demos, you know, showing off, you know, different techniques, yeah. et cetera. But writing a game is a whole different uh, kettle of fish. I think, Chad, you even commented on that, that, you know, when you're planning to write a game, you have to take a, a different mindset than you would for just a demo. Including, like, when do you start doing optimizations? We don't do them right off the start here unless it's absolutely necessary to get yeah, the game to work. Yeah, it could be critical, especially if you're not, you know, kind of familiar with the landscape that you're working in. You know, you're, you're working with something that requires a little bit more, um, more of a dynamic approach to it because, you know, you've got multiple characters. You've got to be able to process them and you don't want to, like, you know, do things like duplicate code because that stuff will make it grow. Um, so when you get into that territory and you get and, and you're you're not sure which direction you may be going, you know, two weeks from now, it's you know it's pretty important to get that stuff kind of locked down. Yeah, a lot of pre-design work basically on how the engine has to work. To... Yeah, I mean you'll hear you know you'll hear all the time you know, people mention like graph paper and stuff. You know that that all comes down to the planning where you know you, you've got an idea of, of where you want to go. You just got to kind of figure out how you want to get there. And you know having not. You don't necessarily have to plan like everything out in, in you know a certain no. in a great amount of detail, but having at least a, a you know a few checkpoints to say you know I want to have like you know movement done by here and you know, I've I've got these things so it gets you 
kind of thinking about what you might have to deal with in the future because you know you've got you're starting with point A and you want to get to point B and there's all kinds of things that are going to get in your way along you know along that journey. So it's it's pretty important to know where you're going. Yeah. And since Chet's uh, actively involved in the chat here, we'll do his next. So there's a there's a couple pages here because you initially said you were starting to try to reverse engineer all your old code that you'd lost, which included Digger One, Image Master, etc. And then you uh, started working on then you discovered that, and I, I've seen this in even commercial stuff that was sold too, uh, where EdTasm would leave, you know, parts of the source code had processed in its buffer when people saved it out to disk or tape. Chunks of the little bits of the original source code were still in there. Mm -hmm. And and you found that in Digger 1 using, I think it was Circomp's EdTasm 3 used? Yeah. Um, and, and actually, it was kind of a combination between EdTasm 3 and the way that I was building the image on disk. Uh because this particular version is missing the sounds. So the area in memory that this would have you know, resided in the sounds, I never updated the, um, the image maker to account for that. So it just wrote out all of the you know, entirety of memory from you know, hex 1000 to hex 7000. So when those, with those sounds were out, so what happens is when I go through and I, I built the image, I'd build it in EdTasm uh, 3 from Comp, do a reset, and then run the program and do it. Well, the start of the buffer, um, the text buffer for EdTasm 3 was at within that region of memory. So, the, and there was a significant amount of, of source code in there, you know, a few K worth. And um, so I was able to get uh, a, a really good starting point from that. I mean, this was, it had all the, all the labels for global variables that had, uh, you know, some, uh, a fair chunk for um, handling the player movement. Of course, there was a lot that was missing in between that because. All right. Yay. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. No, oh, no problem. That's all right, man. So, are you working on Image Master next, Chet, or do you have a list of programs you're trying to do this with? Or uh, yeah, the only three that I'm really, really, uh, you know, concerned with is, is getting Image Master and and Studio Twenty Nine. Getting those two um, just as someone, I really don't care too much about you know the rest of the stuff that that I worked with. But those were uh, those were kind of part of a, a, a trio package because there was those in the game board editor which were all used and i'd like to recover the source code for that and, and the good thing though is is that um this the code from digger uh actually contains code from both of those uh, games not a not a whole lot but a small part and then there's some common functionality that was in there and then there's actually so much carried forward into uh into digger three so i've actually got a way to detect those you know different signatures in the um in the disassemblies so uh, I'll actually have you know somewhat of a starting point for for some functionality, and then there's uh, there's others I'll just have to actually struggle through. I'm sure I don't, I don't imagine either one of those is going to go nearly as quickly as, as Digger One did, because um, I'm just I'm not going to have that you know that that base to go on. I'm going to have to figure everything else out. Knowing what the variables were, and you know being able to associate those was was real critical to the disassembly because it made it a lot quicker. Yeah, I was surprised at how fast you got it done, even with the, the source code in there. So yeah, and the the info file is like twelve hundred lines or eleven hundred lines long, so it's pretty detailed in, in breaking all of that stuff down. So I'm going to include that along with a couple of the, the different things. So I'm, next, I've got a because I can build an identical image. I haven't run it yet. I mean, obviously, if it's identical, I don't need to. Uh, but I want to change the origin and and do some tests uh, so that you know just to kind of make sure that you know just a few bytes to to make sure that everything is still working and all that that. That's going to be the the last test to, to that. Okay, cool. Look look forward to seeing the source code for that up there for people. To oh, that's terrible. 
I mean, I wrote the thing in like three weeks. This started as a as just an, a new editor for uh, Gold Runner um, on the co- uh, of the Coco Two because I'd taken it and changed it over to a, a, a four or a, a four color Coco Three uh, display and added the, and selected the palettes on it. So I just wanted a new editor for it, and then I ended up writing the game. And so yeah, it's really terrible. I mean, there's stuff in there that I would never do. It was. I mean, there's areas where you can tell it's like, oh, yep, copy paste from here to there to there to there. Just changed a couple of things, and that was it. I mean, it was just pure laziness. That's how I got the source code back. Was just pure laziness. <laughs> so you know, yay for that. So it pays to be lazy. Is the lesson we're learning here? That is it. That is true. That is true. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to call my dad tomorrow and let him know. <laughs> uh, next up, Eric has been a busy boy uh, this week too. Um. So we got a lively discussion going here on Facebook. He's been writing a basic program for uh, that he wants to self-modify the code. Now, originally, some people were suggesting, and Nick wrote, I think you were involved in the discussion here too on this, of, of wanting not just to have variables changing, uh, but actually have the code change. So if you go to a different level, there's different logic. And he's been trying to figure out, now you can do a merge, which will actually merge code together. So you can actually have it overwrite lines you already have in your existing program. But unfortunately, it trashes the variables when you do that. I, do, I never had a chance to really fully catch up on the discussion to see if that's been resolved in some way. Um, I believe I've heard that the Dragon actually has a chain command that actually will keep your variables intact and it chains to the next program. So you can actually write a program that's bigger than basic would normally fit. Basic 9 has that option as well because you can unlink and link modules in. So you can have a base kind subroutine module for each level, for example, and just unlink the level you've completed and link the new one in. So you can write a you know basic game that's 512k literally of levels and stuff. Um, but Nick Nick uh, Moroda, do you remember? Um, it, it, has this actually been kind of resolved? Like I know you were involved with some of the merge stuff. Yeah, I just mentioned a merge because I knew that because he asked if there was a way to uh, to um, bring in pro code from lo- load or c load, but I don't think they've resolved the. Yeah, I don't think I think color basic doesn't really support that. The minute you try to do a load, it's wiped out. Um, yeah, I was thinking there might be some pokes you can do to kind of fool basic to letting stuff sit. Hmm. I know some people were suggesting like you use the cassette buffer because if you if you're running a disk based game, there's a 256 byte buffer there that basic doesn't use except for cassettes. You could like store some of your variables and stuff there, like poke them in and then peek them back out once you load the new level or you know run the next program in so you can keep it. Or you can save it to do a disk file and come back in type thing. Yeah. I didn't know if there's any pokes though to actually full basic into just letting it keep all the variables and just you know continue running as if nothing happened. Oh apparently it's still active somebody's typing in a comment right now. Mm-hmm. Next one up from Erico. <clears throat> He's also posted some semi-graphics design work here that he's been doing with Jim Gary for the Aliens game. And he's got some further updates in the comments. So here he's doing some of his, you know, his typical artwork for the uh, semi-graphics 4 mode on, on his uh, Photoshop graph paper. And then here he's working on the 3D view thing. Now there's a Jim Gary update to this immediately following. Actually, Jim has actually made the base engine running on the MZ10 already in the Coco that we can actually see what it kind of looks like in its. Oh, rough, of course he has. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's doing another one even as we speak. Maybe he was the one typing the comment there earlier. I'm not sure. So here's another little update on some of the graphics he was doing, and this all will make more sense once we show the uh, update from Jim here, which I'll segue to right now. So you got the map on the left. The upper right corner has got this first player's 3D perspective view. Okay. 
And this is the one they're planning on being a multiplayer game. So you have the other parts on the right will also be other players. Up to six was the original plan, if the speed can be kept up. It's going down a hallway. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see on the. You can see where the the turn is coming up. Yeah. The one thing I liked about this, most of the 3D engines back from the early days were all wired from like, basically everything was a hallway. Yeah. And this one actually allows larger rooms and a bit of perspective to see that, which I don't think we saw in the Coco really until I think Oblique Triad did it in 7th Blink, where you can have the rooms wider. And then, of course, you know, stuff like Gatecrasher can do that too. So it's a pretty cool incident. If you can actually get it running with all six players on a, on a network type thing using DriveWire, that'd be awesome. That is cool. But considering Erico just started discussing it this week and Jim's already got a demo running, you know, a couple days later type thing. I'm jealous I don't get projects done that fast. Next up, this was uh, Simon WGBU. Uh, does a lot of, you know, retro streams of all kinds of machines. And, he joined uh, he Discord now, right? Yeah. Yeah. As I was going to mention that, uh, I actually finally caught him on one of his live streams doing the Dragon 32 here. And he does these on Twitch and they usually last like two to four hours. And he actually plays the game for like at least half an hour to an hour. He doesn't just, you know, slap games together every 15 seconds type thing. Um, so you get a bit of detailed gameplay. And I actually caught him on chat this time. So we were chatting back and forth in text chat while he was playing. I gave him a couple of suggestions. He actually played Shock Trooper for a bit because I mentioned that was the game on challenge this week. He didn't submit his score, unfortunately, but uh, he, it is at the end of the video here. But he's, he once he finishes the Twitch stream, a couple of days later, he usually uploads it to YouTube. So any of those that aren't on Twitch, you can watch it on there. So, um, and I'll just play a couple seconds here of the first game he played just before I joined him, which was Cuthbert Goes Walkabout, which was a, a UK title based on Amadar from the arcade. Ah. Which is another one with background music. I'd forgotten about this one. Actually, has background music while you're playing. So you have to fill in the boxes, right? Yeah. Sort of like kicks type thing. Mm-hmm. But you can jump, too, which is kind of cool, because you can run towards the monster and literally jump over them as long as they don't turn around on you. Oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, and then if you get far enough, it changes to the white screen as an alternate color set as you oh, get further yeah. in the level. This is Nick Morenti's favorite color set here. Yeah. yeah. The Puyan palette. special, I call it. Yeah. Now, you can't do a big a region. You have, to, you have to do every square individually. Yeah. Okay. It's not, I guess, commentary I, I guess if not, you could just do the whole outside of the border and color in the whole screen. Huh? That'd be a little bit of a hack. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting. They did game. Tea Ooh. Time, which is another UK unique one. That looks cool. I don't remember seeing this one. It's got the artifact colors in it. Oh, are you catching? Yeah, oh, are you're these catching like sugar, sugar lumps? Cubes, I think it's called. Sugar lumps, huh? And you have to pour them into the cup there, and then you had later ones where you have to dodge stuff, then you have a little bit of a platform where you have to pick ah, up things. That's cool. And different things come out after you as you advance levels, too. As the That's a biscuit, through. probably, because teas and biscuits, right? Teas and crumpets, so we have a little biscuit to go with our tea. Sure. <laughs> Could be. Where's Little Miss Muffet? Little Miss Muffet. And this is one of the later levels here where you have to go across the platforms and the elevators to collect those little piles. Is there a straw for that pile? <laughs> cool looking game. 
Neat. Yeah, it was it was one of the cheap ones too. This is one of those ones they sold for like, like three the, pounds or okay. something like that. Yeah, the five dollar tape deal or something. Yeah. Which actually for that cheap of a game was a pretty good quality one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you play okay. Danger, Danger Ranger, which is Ranger. Uh, one of my favorites from back in the day too. And Shock Trooper and a few others. But anyway, it's uh, he's actually joined our Discord now. Um, I mentioned that we should try to get him on the show because he's somebody who grew up with the Dragon 32 back in the day, so he's playing a lot of the games he played as a kid. That was his first okay. computer. Cool. Uh, he no longer has his original Dragon 32, so now he's using XWare to play all this stuff. Okay. But uh, since there's been new developments on Dragon games, some from Nick and just stuff that he hasn't, you know, Simon hasn't seen, you know, being out of it for, for years, uh, that we, we'll try to get him to try some of these other things, too, and some of the Cocoa ports that have made it back to the Dragon instead of the other way around. So I'm hoping we'll get him on the show at some point here, but he okay. does these streams, like, almost literally every day. He does some sort of retro game stream. That's cool. And this one here, we've covered the uh, Super Ladderman slash Ladderman 2 by Richard Kelly. He's been doing multiple betas. We've covered a few of them on the show here. He's actually officially got the official 1.00 release out now. Um, I've played this actually a fair bit. This should try it. It's actually for a basic game. It's it's quite, quite good. There's dozens of different screens here. And he's got some screenshots here because you so basically have to go quite, through and collect things in certain quite, order. Quite to... good is twice as good as quite good. So there's good, <laughs> there's quite good, and then there's quite, quite good. And then after that, there's good, eh? Hey? Which is really good. In Canadian, anyway. It looks good. I like mm. all the level designs. Yeah, and he's even got some like cool animation mm. tricks where he yeah. has like the player falling in front of objects, but the object still strolls through, or behind objects type of thing. And there's some little animations, like when you solve a level, the guy gets a little propeller head cap going, and he starts flying up to the next screen. So it's, it's got a lot of finesse and polish for a, a basic game, and it looks quite good. plays in the Cocoa 1 and 2, so... And that is the end of the Game On News for this week. All right. Uh, before job, Before we take a commercial break, Brian Weasler, have you had time to get your ducks in a row for your project <laughs> updates for the week? Yes, I did get my ducks in a row. Um, first thing I wanted to, to, to show here was um, kind of a box of stuff that I got. Uh, Curtis had mentioned this last week on... Uh, uh, on his new segments there uh, with Christian, uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly how his last name is pronounced, Cremo. Um, he had a, an auction there of like 13 games that he was selling on YouTube that uh, Curtis had mentioned. And um, actually, he did quite well on that one. He got uh, $96 or $97, I think, for those 13 games that Curtis had mentioned uh, last week. Um, but him and I have been chatting for quite a while now, and he actually uh showed some stuff to me that uh, maybe i might be interested in. so i ended up buying uh, some stuff from him directly and uh with with the stuff that i bought he also had some extras that he kind of threw in in with it that I was very pleased with um but the things that i did buy from him uh i'll just kind of pull some of them out here and again just like on the youtube one he had all the when original you're saying youtube you mean ebay or something right eBay. I'm sorry if yeah. I keep saying YouTube. Yeah. eBay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you think I would know eBay versus YouTube? I would yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of people sell things on YouTube, but. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, here's uh, eBay, YouTube. <laughs> here's uh, this game here. Gantlet there. Gantlet. Yep, and the and the disc with that one there. So that was nice. Um, also I here, crack it. <laughs> I want to crack it. Uh, here's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ooh, and, and, and the manual, and the, the manual with that one there. Forty-two. <laughs> I also got here. Um, 
That wasn't for uh, the Coco, was it? The Hitchhiker's Guide? Yep. Oh, really? Yep. yep. Yeah, that, that was, was the Coco version. Yep, this now, was the Invisiclues, uh, is that what uh, those games did? Invisiclues? Sure, this one was... Is that where you had to put the red, the red film over it or something? Yeah, this usually one? the Infocom games had some sort of a hint. There were, sometimes yeah, some, they, some had, did. they had some like did. This, these little uh, kind of props that came with it that had clues yeah. where you could hold like the red, the clear red film over something because they were oh, hidden okay. in the print and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, my Sea Stalker has that. Yeah, yeah. Hitchhiker's oh, okay. Guide also came with a microscopic space fleet. <laughs> 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 it was a little tiny uh, plastic bag with a, you know, like you would get a bagged game in, but it was only about one or two inches square and it said microscopic space fleet on the little hanger and you could look as much as you wanted but it was kind of like um yeah they sold you an empty bag as a as a prop as a gag yeah well you got to remember the the microscopic space fleet was actually accidentally swallowed by a small dog when it tried to invade earth so (laughs) yeah and i'm glad they didn't include the the remains of that microscopic space fleet in the bag instead Uh did you use a microscope a microscopic one. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that game was on the cook or the Hitchhiker's Guide. That's cool. Yeah, a lot yeah, of the cool. Infocom games were. Yeah. Wishbringer and uh, a few others. Yeah, Sea Stalker, Wishbringer, um, Hitchhikers. This is all three Zorks of the original Zorks, anyway. So can Sorry, you just... Brian. No, that's fine. And then I also got a uh, a uh, Sundog game here, Quest with Zelda. Nice. Yeah, guess what? That's a clone of. <laughs> I want to crack it. Felda. Um, for those with a lisp. Felda. That's for Felda, everybody. Felda. Also got the uh, Coco Max uh, 3 uh, from Colorware there, along with um, uh, four discs of uh, fonts for it as well. So wow. there's four, di- four different uh, fonts discs that came with it, so I, I bought that from him. Ron DeVille's quite familiar with that program. I, I have those. Did you? Mm-hmm. And then also the uh, the Coco Max Three, the the manual that goes with it. Nice. Now, so on a little insert there. Um, also got here uh, Tandy. Uh, got Cave Walker. Ah, Cave Walker. Kind of the unofficial Downland sequel. <laughs> and uh, Seamus. Seamus, nice, good game. Curtis patched also- that for the Coco Three, and George has been forever. <laughs> Grateful for that. He reminds me every Coco Fest. You know, Curtis reminds Patch, me too. Right? It's yeah. Since the eighties, he's reminded me of that. Case uh, any publishing needs here? I also picked up a home publisher. Oh, excellent, oh, excellent. Good yes, program. Hours of fun. Um, <laughs> That's just to render it one screen. The hours of fun. <laughs> right, hours to watch that screen. Uh, and, uh, That's just to boot it. Flight Sim One. <laughs> and, uh, Flight Sim One got that one. Also. Uh, Pitfall 2. Nice. The best supporters of the speech sound pack. Yeah. Okay. Pitfall 2. Fall harder. Yep. Uh, and uh, then also um, Sub Battle Simulator. Oh. Got that one. Man, this and is then, quite the load. Yeah. And uh, then from what I just learned here, uh, Nick Morenti's uh, favorite game here on cassette. Pooh, yeah. Yes. It is a good game. I like the game. It's just a bad choice of colors. <laughs> you play it on the Coco VGA. You can change it. Yeah. Oh, there you oh, go. I play it on Coco 3. And then also, this was just kind of an educational one, though. Uh, it's just, I, it's 
uh, called Taxi. It's, oh. it's, a, it's a kids' learning game. That, uh, yeah, by Children's Children's Workshop. Children's Workshop, was it? And then some of the extras that he threw in here. Um, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> he had a he had this laying around. It's just the box insert. Okay, all the, cool. Dexter. So, yep. And then also an empty box of uh, Shanghai. Shanghai there. Ooh. So he threw get that Rick, in there. Get Rick Adams the autograph. Yeah. And uh, well, actually, I uh, well, it's, it's buried. I already have that one, but yes, <laughs> I'll have to. Um, one of the things I did also buy from him though, because it was such great shape though. So it was the nice. deluxe joystick. This one looks like it's practically brand new. Mm. Is that a single button or a double button one? A uh, double. Yeah, this one should be the double. It's the B. Yep, the double button there. So the B end, in case you're not sure how to use it. Ah, nice. Operation nice. Manual Owner's there. manual. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Actually, to be honest, you did need that for how to switch between free float to center back because if you didn't push it to a corner, it didn't work properly. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You could actually <laughs> break the stupid thing. Yeah. <laughs> And then he had this one laying around here, just another joystick. Okay, it's nice. missing, some, missing some feet, and it's okay. also missing the screws, so it's going to need a little TLC. Okay. So got that. And he also threw in um, a color disc system, the programming manual. Okay. For that one there. And it has that spiral bound, which nice. I really... You don't see that all like the time. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. And this one here, it's kind, of, it's kind of neat to thumb through it. It was this Radio Shack Supplement Software Catalog. So it has... Uh, all the different games and that uh, mm. also had all the third party stuff too, didn't it? Um, or is that the Express Order I'm thinking of? Because they, they they were selling like VIP writer and Telewriter and you know third party software through one of their. As I'm as I'm th- as I'm thumbing through here, everything looks uh, looks very candy. But this has software in it, everything from the the color com- or the uh, micro color computer, the pocket computer, the Model One, Three, and Four. So it, it covered a. A range of uh, systems there. Neat. Yeah, because if, if you go to the Kogo section there, if it has stuff like you know VIP and, and Telewriter and some other things there, then that's the one where you can actually order. Unfortunately, Radio Shack never really told people this existed, so you had to kind of know about it first. Um, now look at all the utilities here. Color computer, Telewriter. Nope, I don't see any. Everything okay, looks so very... that must be the Express yep. order I'm thinking of then. Yep. And then he also threw... Um, um, Tempest in here. Oh, Tetris. 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 Yep. Tetris. Yep. I meant. And the thing that I was most excited about, because this has been on my book want list, um, he didn't even know I wanted it. He just had it. And uh, it's uh, Kids to Kids uh, on, on the color, color computer. computer. So, it's a, cool. so it's a color computer game, Kids on Kids, uh, or Kids to Kids there. And it's just, just a series of little basic games on, uh, you know, learning how to program in basic, basically. Um, <laughs> but for the color, so I've had this one here for a while. I've been wanting this one for a while, I should say. That's cool. I've never actually seen that one. Yeah, I've had this on my list for probably about six months, and doing searches all the time, and never, never, never pops up anywhere. And this thing's like in perfect shape. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks, this, looks good. Here's the sad thing about it is that at one time, whenever this sale was, I'm not sure if this is the date or not, but at KB Toys, you could buy two for one dollar. So this poor wow. thing sold for fifty cents back in. Wow. <laughs> so, um, just uh, two other quick things that I'd like to share. Um, the guy who's active on our Facebook quite a bit there, uh, Michael uh, Petsley, uh, him and I have been kind of trading cartridges back and forth. Um, he's been looking for some. I've been looking for some. And he, he's had some that I've been looking for. But uh, he asked me if I'd be interested in uh, this little guy here. 
And that's the uh, Zipster's uh, Mini. Mini MPI. MPI. That's yep. He had bought it and he really wasn't using it as much as he thought, and he knew I wanted one, so uh, he sold me his along okay. with uh, the charger there. So okay. I was very happy to get this because this, at least Ed hasn't had any of these on his uh, on his webpage for quite a while as being available. So, sure. so Yeah, I think I got it. the last one that was up in the last batch. Oh, did you? Okay. So I was excited to get that. And then uh, the last thing I'd like to show um, is uh, this disk controller here by JNM Systems. I believe it, yep. it, it came it came with JDOS in it. Yep. Is that the one with and, the parallel port or the plain one? No, I don't know parallel on this one here. But yeah, that would be nice to to find that. I got one with a switcher and two ROMs. Oh, okay, so you can switch between either one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours probably has a parallel port too. Then Ron, that was their second version, which yeah, had the, it, could, it could be. I haven't looked at it in a while. It had a little double header connector on the side. You could use it to run a print parallel printer or a sassy hard drive interface, too. Oh, okay. Nice. I'll have to keep an eye out and see if those pop up. And then I did uh, snag two manuals. I went and did a search there, and there was a JDOS and a, and a wow. disk, disk manual for it that I was able to find. So, yeah. Now, do, do you know if yours has the memory minder program built in? Because some of the JDOSs have the built-in for disk calibration. It was actually had a special disk. Mine has you got with it to actually calibrate the heads and stuff on the drive. Would that would that be the software, or there be something that be built? It's a combination of well? both. It's a hard, it's a, a disk that's specially formatted. Plus, it actually had the, the ROM, the JDOS ROM. If you got the later version of it, would actually have this memory minder program built into it. Oh, okay. Did the testing. I mean, I've I've plugged this in and I've hooked it up to a disk drive, and I, that's all I've really done with it so far. I don't know how I determine that. Maybe it's something. In, Maybe it's something that's just yeah, it was mentioned page. in the manual, and I think it had to be JDOS. I'm trying to remember now. 1.2 or higher, I think, had the memory winder. Can't remember off the top of my head, but okay. Well, I'll do some uh, digging and maybe follow up. Yeah, because if you can find one of those memory minder discs there, you can use that to align any double density drive for basically any system that uses you know hard sectored with the the timing holes. So you could repair okay. drives for PCs and Cocos and everything else. It was quite a quite a good good package. Hmm. I'll look for that. That sounds very interesting. Cool stuff. That's that's all I got. Thanks, Stevie. That was. A I like your um, I like your rack of cocos in the back there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I get those up there. <laughs> yeah. Quite. Yeah. For anybody who's wondering why Coco Three prices are so expensive on eBay now, Brian's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tell you what, it's it's very interesting. Um, Septandy really did a shot in the arm there on eBay with. Uh, with cocoa sales, I mean, you could just see prices. I mean, cocoa twos that would normally be going for like fifty or sixty bucks now, people are asking a hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and twenty dollars for. Mm-hmm. I think the the September really uh, really flamed the fire of interest for the for the color computer. So I think it's a it's a good thing. But, yeah, it's good uh, and bad it, both at the same time. Right, I guess exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was just very interesting to kind of watch the prices over the past month or two just steadily climb up. So that's good. Well, it's not good for somebody trying to get one well, now. But, yeah. well, I, I, that's, I mean, that, that, yeah, like Curtis was saying, it's kind of kind of good and bad. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, I, the, the good I mean is the is the yeah. interest in the in the Tandy, and I mean, I guess maybe as a, as a side spin here before we go into the news, I have our numbers on like the Facebook page members. Has that been steadily climbing too since uh, Tandy? I guess I was kind of curious about mm. that. Like the number of people. I know in Discord the, uh, it has. We've we've had some people be, just because of Tandy have joined. Some of them were in chat earlier mm-hmm. today too. And I think Facebook has had the same thing. Like we've had an increase of people that have learned about it. And, and you know, for people that are interested in the software of the color computer, um, I mean, they can use the emulators. And quite a few of them, I think, like Frodo, he's running his on a mister here. 
um, you know, they're happy just being able to try out some of this Cocoa stuff they never got to try out back in the day. But for others who are trying to get the actual hardware, yeah, that's it's the double-edged sword. Yeah. The Facebook uh, Color Computer Group has 3,200 members. Okay, so that's growing. I, I, I haven't been tracking those numbers, but that's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if, if Ed Snyder has this on his website right now, but he was working on that Coco 2 clone, you know, based on all new parts, using all the original parts in a small form factor. Um, that might be an option, uh, you know, and I think that's already got a, you know, composite mod built in. It's got 64K, yep. the whole nine yards. I don't know. If, is he selling that yet, Stevie? I'm not sure. I just, I just remember seeing the pictures of it. But, I, I mean, that would be something I would be interested in. I mean, I've got real Cocos, but I would kind of be interested in a nice compact Coco 2 clone that's just, you know, got all new chips and stuff, and you just plug so it in and it goes. What, what could we offer a guy that has everything so he'd come on the show? Are you talking about Ed Snyder? Hey. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he has need for nothing. I mean, yeah, you know. nothing yeah. has worked yet. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not like he needs us to promote his stuff. He's all you gotta do is mention Ed Snyder made whatever. And if you're if like, you're watching this, yeah. Ed, please, Ed. <laughs> he doesn't need us on. to promote him, to promote his product. So he does a good job on his yeah. own. There. He does sometimes pipe up and chat here once in a while. I think yeah. we've had him on audio once, didn't we? I don't Did think so. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't remember mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So, although I, to speak I, I, to. Steve's comment about the Coco too. Wouldn't a Gimme X just need a very small daughter board to become an entire Coco three by itself? I kind of think well, the, that's where it's going. The plan is eventually <laughs> Gary Becker and Ed are planning on making a full Coco three, and the Gimme X is part of that. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, I mean, if you explain can explain what you're saying, I don't get it. All right, so he's a, he has a Coco two clone right now, right? You're familiar with yeah. that one, right? And when the Gimme X is done and it yeah. works. The, if you if you've already cloned the Coco two and now you've cloned the Gimme, all you got to do is put those two things together. Now you've got a Coco three clone. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I think that's the next leap. He's he's making keyboards. He's making Gimme replacements. He's making memory. He's already made a Coco two that works. You put all those pieces together. I think it will maybe be a year or two away where there will be a Coco three. Yeah. Clone. Both Gary and Ed have mentioned that that yeah. is the ultimate goal. You can see you can see the writing on the wall. That's where that's going. Well, you know what? What would be great for a lot of people that use the uh, dragon is to have a dragon with a gimme. Oh, okay. So like a compatible. So you're your basically a Coco three upgrade for the for the dragon. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of people that have a. Dragons are third, especially yeah. in England. That'd be that'd be a little bit more complicated, not much, but a little bit more complicated. Like for example, the PIAs for the keyboards are wired differently. So if you expanded a dragon to be a Coco three, Coco three keyboard software, unless you rewrote it or patched some of it, wouldn't work properly. It'd be the wrong keys. So there's a little bit of a difference you'd have to worry about if you want to be able oh. to run both library sets. How hard is that for Ed Snyder? Well, well he's it's, probably it's, done it in his sleep, but. but yeah, no, I think you know the Coco Three clone with the new keyboard and the Gimme X and all this kind of stuff. That you know, now when you add all that stuff up, you're probably going to be looking at three or four hundred dollars. So it's not going to be any cheaper than buying one on eBay. Well, by but, the time it comes out, it might be. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But would it be cool to have a brand new 
modern Coco 3 with all the bells and whistles, oh, yeah. you know, 8 megabytes of RAM and 3 megahertz speed mm. and VGA output, VGA output stereo sound. Yeah. I'll probably put in his one of his sound chips in it and all kinds of other crap. You like might even just make a mini in there and have two high speed serial ports. Uh, and... God forbid a real time clock, you know. So um, <laughs> I know that's just crazy talk at this point, but yeah. Um, maybe Paul Barton can throw in a couple of multicolored wires in there. You never know. So <laughs> yeah. Coco Talk closes their show because everything that's needed on the Coco Four has been done. Yep. <laughs> no one, no one's gonna gonna say, ah, "What about a real time clock? What about a real time?" They'll already be there. Yeah. Then, then we we'll just become game on challenge every week, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, cool. Cool. All right, so we finished Game On News, so how about we'll take a commercial break and then we'll come back with regular news? Mike, Michael Furman's favorite part of the show, Snoozy Newsy. Yeah, I hope he has his pill ready. Uh, all right, how about a little bit of Fletcher for us as we take our commercial break? After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, J.T. Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subby the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at CocoMan.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. 
Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger with like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news when Elkert is Muppet News Flash. All right, we are back with Michael Furman's favorite part of the show, Snoozy Newsy. <laughs> actually, the first part here is actually an update on the game game news here because that was sent by Mike Pitsley. Actually, we I mentioned the chess versus other chess programs here. Okay. And he mentioned he already posted a link with all this kind of comparing things here. So we actually has this little chart he did on Facebook here back in September, which I didn't realize. Cyprus wins in eight minutes, 21 moves. I should probably give you guys the link to share that too, shouldn't I? Since it's not actually officially part of the news. So let me just throw that in quick. You're going to put that in the Zoom chat? I can put it right in the... Uh, I put it in the YouTube chat? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. There you go. So it looks like Cyprus is the winner most of the time, huh? Cyprus, Cyprus. Okay. N64. Cyrus, okay. I'm assuming the one versus one, three versus one, that must be the level skill levels or something. And if there's eight levels of uh, difficulty in the original chess characters, and I think there's five or whatever in the uh, Cyrus one, so. And then he played it versus the Nintendo 64 chess, which uh, N64 run won most of them, but Cyrus actually won one of them, which is a, to me was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> Okay. Rondel Voda said he got Three a blue and a half screen. Hours. I think a lot of it has to do with how many levels the program has been written to calculate ahead. So, I mean, if it's only calculating eight moves versus 20 moves ahead, so depending on how many different combinations it can it can pre-calculate, we'd probably determine. I was watching a YouTube video on it, and they were talking about programming of this. And uh, that, that, you know, that recent competition with, uh, what is it, that IBM computer, what is it called, uh, What's the one that beat Watson the Watson or whatever Watson or something like that, where it beat the that the, the Russian the, the Russian or whatever. Yeah, they were talking about how many the, the depth of moves that it's able to calculate really determines how how playable the uh, the game is. So Cyrus wins at three hours and thirty minutes versus it lost at forty five minutes. So it took a lot more time. And that was also the only one of those four comparisons where Cyrus got to move first. So once, if the Nintendo was playing first, it always won. From what I'm gathering there. Okay. It's, it's kind of interesting to, to see that, you know, and see especially how some of the programs back yeah, in the day. Like, like N64, that's not the Nintendo 64. That's the Commodore 64? Because all these I don't know, Michael, if he's still in the chat, please clarify that because I'm not sure myself. I'm going to hope he's talking about the C64, because if you played it against the Nintendo 64, which came out in the late 90s, that wouldn't necessarily be a fair <laughs> challenge, right? So, uh, Yeah, and the fact that Cyrus actually did beat it once would be yeah. pretty impressive, to okay. be honest. Yeah. I was thinking it's the N60, Nintendo 64. Okay, all right, maybe. All right. Well, that'd, that'd be pretty impressive if it even managed to beat it in one game. So. Okay. They'd all beat me, because I suck at chess. So, mm -hmm. No, Nintendo 64, officially okay. confirmed by Michael. All right, there we go. There you go. All right. Cool. So now we just want to see the full three and a half hour video and we'll just stream it live. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to regular news. I just wanted to fill that in. Okay. So I don't know if 8-Bit Show and Tell is still in the chat or not after the YouTube stream restarted there, but uh, he Composite did a mod, uh, huh? 
part two of his collection of Easter eggs for Septandi. So we're still getting a few trail ends of uh, Septandi here in mid-October. So this one has the typical, you know, CLS with an illegal value. And this is case for the MC-10. Okay. So that one kind of knew about. And then there's also the hidden one. You have to you know, print the character string peaks there, which is a little thing that Bill Gates put in specifically because Commodore had stolen the ROMs once. So he put it okay. in this hidden thing to catch it. And then he goes into the Coco. Uh, let's see here. That's still Coco 2. That's basically the same as the Coco 1. That is a clean keyboard. Now, wait a minute. Commodore did not steal the ROMs. Jack Tremiel just was not going to pay a royalty on every you know, Commodore machine sold, so he did a one-time payment. And after he did the one-time payment, Bill Gates realized he had not put a Microsoft banner anywhere in the, the code that had been licensed perpetually by Commodore. So when Commodore came back later to get patches, he snuck it in as an Easter egg then. You can get that on uh, the page table site. But yeah. yeah, but Commodore I'm trying to remember. Like, it wasn't the, it wasn't Commodore specifically. It was some other company, although that did copy the ROMs. I, I shouldn't have said Commodore. That was my mistake. But somebody actually did copy the ROMs, and they did catch them using that hidden string. It was a port uh, of Microsoft uh, Basic. Somebody Apple had that. one in their Mac that was the same way, and that actually showed up in a court case where Steve Jobs actually typed in one thing and showed that it was actually Apple code. Yeah, because I, I remember reading, and I wish I could find the original article. Unfortunately, I didn't research it before the show, but there was another, it was a, a fairly obscure computer that had copied the ROMs, literally. And yeah, they and caught I just them using that a correction out there before suddenly hordes of C64 and 128 and Amiga folks showed up with pitchforks and things. Because <laughs> yeah, they watch our show yeah. pretty regularly. Well, yeah, and they've already been because gathering can... just because of all the other stuff. But yeah. you know, let's, let's not push them over the edge here. Yeah, no, that 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 is that is correct. I I I worded that wrong. I was thinking, you know, Commodore's where the the story came out that that was in there, but there was another company that had I can't remember it even been South American or European company or something that had literally stolen the ROMs, but that wasn't Commodore. You're right. And then on the Coco three, and he kind of goes through his Coco three a little bit here. Uh, come on, YouTube, don't do this. Oh, you're going to give me an ad. Thanks. In French yet. There you Lay. go. Yeah. You say YouTube don't do this and YouTube goes, uh, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the Coco 3 had some extra Easter eggs thrown in. Like there's the uh, Microware Systems Corp one, which is, I think is a, if you're only on your f a f uh, 40 or 80 column screen, it shows up instead of Microsoft. So I was a little Microware's little blurb in there. But there's also a special one. That I not everybody I think does know about CLS. And that's if on when you first boot it up and you do one of these CLSs, then you get a different starting message than Microware Systems Corp. So we can find that one here. Yeah, you get the programmer names. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh yeah. I did not know that. I will mention in in, in OS nine level two. The original OS on level two, they have a repeat last command option in the shell, which you hit control A, and built into the sequential file manager, the SCF uh, file manager, they actually had three names, and these are two of them that actually did the programming for OS on level two. So that would show up until you typed something for the first time. 
And we did that in Nitrous 9. We actually changed it to have like Wes Gale, myself, and uh, Bill, Bill Noble, Noble as ours to show up. And since then, since we released it to the public and then Boise and the rest of them took it over, I think they just have a link to the Nitrous 9 org website is what's your default keyboard thing. But you can actually set that. There's a system call we added back in. So if you want your program to default, if somebody hits a shift right arrow to immediately fill in a certain phrase or sequence, you can actually tell it what, whatever phrase you want. So you can kind of customize it yourself. So yeah, that was part of his septandy. So he goes through the MC10, the Coco2, the Coco3, and, and some of these little hidden things. Of course, he goes through the control up reset one, which is probably the most famous one of all, where it's an entire P mode 4 graphic. The Muggeteers. Yeah. Cool. Next up, uh, Sheldon McDonald here. We showed him last week uh, doing the PSG player. And um, this is an update here where he now has percussion enabled. So I'll play a little bit of that. Have your sound turned up? Are you sharing sound too? Uh, I thought I was, but maybe not. I'll stop sharing and just reshare just in case. Okay. Oh, no, I didn't have it on. Sorry. My bad. No, but that is cool. That sounds very chiptune-y, very Nintendo-y. And the percussion really... Yeah, I like really the fact that you just load it in and it immediately starts taking over the new song without even stopping. You know, yeah. Just... So that... Yeah, that's cool that you got the percussion, like the, the, the drum sounds and stuff in there too, so... Next up, uh, AC's 8-Bit Zone, and he was in chat earlier. Hopefully he stayed on while the, the, you know, the stream stopped and started there thanks to YouTube, etc. But... Um... He, if you remember, uh, we went through his cocoa collection because he brought out five cocos he had at the storage for 20 years. And his oldest or second oldest cocoa two had the space bar missing. It was just completely gone. So he 3D printed a one here and he oh. actually goes through in quite technical detail the measurements and trying to get the molds exactly right. And it, the hardest part for him actually wasn't the 3D printing itself. It was to get that little balancing bar, like on the space bar, there's a little metal rod mm. that balances out. So if you hit it on the right-hand side or the left-hand side away from where the center part actually goes in to make the contact, it would actually get stuck without that bar there. It would just kind of stick down and it would mm. screw up. So he goes in and he takes like coat hanger wire and he snips the coat hanger. He tries to measure the bends at the exact right places and stuff. And he does this a few times. And his printer is, is also actually got different colored plastic. So the one he's holding in his hand here, this darker gray one, is actually the color he ends up using. Uh, but he's, he goes through, you know, with a pair of vice grips and he's just, you know, playing around with it and trying to get the bar at the right thing here and punching the holes in. And the first time it doesn't quite fit. It's really close. It looks visually like it's fine. Mm -hmm. But then when you try to put it in, it actually doesn't work. <laughs> so he goes through it a few times here. He's comparing the original one on the top to the, the 3D printed one he did in the bottom here. But he eventually gets it to work, and that's what it looks like with that, you know, slightly off-colored, uh, darker gray. And he was originally thinking, well, maybe I should get the proper color plastic. But then he said, you know, actually, you got kind of used to it, and it's not yeah, too it far neat. off the original no, gray. From the it original looks cool because the space bar is kind of its own thing, you know. Yeah. So, 
And it's not it's a bit more of a bluish gray than the original Coco One, but he kind of likes the fact that it has almost a retro look to the original, an homage yeah. to the original Coco yeah. One. So we yeah, decided, no, like I'm keeping a, it. Kind of a throwback color there. Yeah, absolutely. You can have the comparison. Yeah, now that is really cool. So is the file available? I could use a couple of spaces. He was talking on the YouTube channel that he's planning on uploading it. I don't know if he has yet. I haven't checked, but uh, he was planning on uploading, you know, so you could put it on your own 3D printer and do it too. Now, wouldn't that be a cool name for a... Um, uh, a drinking establishment with a sci-fi theme is called the Space Bar. You know what I mean? That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and get your Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. Right. <laughs> or all the, the restaurant at the end of the universe. It's yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was a cool project. Right? I haven't seen anybody like 3D print a, a specific key before, and then you know, especially the Space Bar, which has this wiring thing you have to worry about on top of it. It's not mm -hmm. just a pop-in replacement. So they need to pr uh, print a, a, a CM8 door. <laughs> so what was uh, Paul trying to show us? Paul Barton was I was I was just commenting on the uh, multicolored wires on the Coco Four, and Paul Barton had a whole spool of like rainbow colored <laughs> wire coming up, like a rainbow ribbon. Yeah, I uh, just bought a roll of forty wide, you know, IDE type cable. Uh huh. Ah, okay. And it's oh, got, there's your colored wire. You got one, 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 all the colors under the rainbow right there, on one spool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> Almost a rainbow bridge. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, um, Keith, whose uh, YouTube channel is Chibiakumis. I'm not sure if that's pronounced right. <clears throat> but he's been doing various you know, CPU uh, segments on different CPUs and different systems and how to access the hardware, how to program in the same language for all of them. He's been doing you know, the Vectrix. He's been doing Nintendos. He's been doing the Genesis. And he's been doing the Dragon and the Coco. So this is Chapter 8, and he's actually talking about doing sound on the, on the Coco and how to manipulate that. And, of course, we know we don't have an actual sound chip, and he, he mentioned that, too. But he does mention, you know, the Dragon Coco wasn't the worst of the bunch. Mm -hmm. There were some other machines that only had one bit, you know, like the Apple II and the original Spectre and stuff. And, and that gives you, like, no volume control, really, and, and some other things. We said, you know, as far as it goes, for one that doesn't have a sound chip, this was actually one of the better ones. Because you had 64 levels of volume. You could do digitization fairly decently on it. So, I mean, he just kind of goes through and explains all that. And this is part of his ultimate goal. He's making games for all these various systems. Um, and then doing all these assembly tutorials. Now, he does mention near the end of this particular video that he is going to be covering the Coco 3 specifically in a future episode once he completes the, the Coco 1, 2 Dragon stuff. And that's good because we haven't had very many. We've had, you know, there's multiple tutorials, there's multiple books on the Coco 1 and 2 assembly language over the years. Steve Bjork's that he did with us here, for example. But there's not too much as Coco 3 specifically. How do you use the MMU? How do you use the gimme registers and all this other kind of stuff? So, I'm looking forward to that. And for people that have been asking a lot of questions, we've seen that on Facebook and in Discord both. Uh, you know, how do you do Coco 3 specific program? I think uh, Dave 639 has actually been asking questions on that just recently. He's been doing some demos on there. So it'd be nice to have a video reference so people can just pull off YouTube and learn that stuff, you know, in the future. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see. And he's very knowledgeable. I mean, he knows all the CPUs quite well. So he knows some of the tips and tricks and other things. So it'll be interesting to see what he says about the Coco 3 hardware. Cool. Next up, this is a cool one too. Uh, not somebody I've heard of before. Dennis Bisson um, has made a RAM test thing that plugs into the Color Basic ROM on a Coco One or Two, so it's a little like chip thing. But this one doesn't even need RAM to run. It runs completely off the ROM included here, and the CPU registers itself to test your RAM. 
So if you have any amount of bad RAM, like sometimes a RAM test program, if it happens to be you know loading over top bad RAM, of course it won't run, so you can't tell what the problem is. So in this case here, he's got this here that you plug into the ROM, and even if you have, like, you can pull out, like, seven of the eight chips, and it'll still test the one RAM chip for you. Um, and it actually reports the stuff out on a serial ports at 600 baud's. You hook it up to a PC terminal or a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a separate terminal or even another Cocoa with a terminal program running at 600 baud, and it'll actually read out the stuff to you on the screen. Which I thought's a really cool idea here, because it'll actually help you identify, you know, individual RAMs that are blown when the standard RAM test program might die trying to even load. So that was pretty innovative. And he's got a little bit of I a like demo that. video here. And I just froze it on this first thing here because he's, he's, I believe he's French. And he, you know, he has his like, some warnings here. <laughs> you know, uh, something with an accent trying to speak in English is repugnant to you. I suggest you stop watching this video. <laughs> if any footage taken by an amateur cameraman makes you queasy, I suggest you stop hearing someone improvising on a topic without having a specific plan makes you discussive of life. I suggest you stop. Wow. Oh, he, we he's need seen our show. We need this at the beginning of our show now, right? So, yeah. It's one of the best intros I've ever seen. It's great stuff. <laughs> You are still here. Let's go. <laughs> so anyway, definitely watch the video. The video is actually like 20 minutes long, so I won't play the whole thing here. But I'll fast forward to... Uh, he actually goes through the source code here too, explaining how it all works. And all the things you have to do when you have no RAM, you have to like unroll stuff. Like you can't put a loop. You can't throw something on the stack. You have no stack. Stack's based on RAM. So he, he goes into all the details of how you exactly had to program to get around all this stuff here. And he goes into the wiring diagrams and how the switches work, etc. And here is some of the actual testing, uh, jumping out to a serial port he's got on his PC reading it. And this is the actual text that outputs over the serial port from that ROM. I'm just going to find one here. Right there is a nice little wall of text right here coming up. So here it's actually showing the more detailed testing. Um, and it actually detects what the ROM jumpers are. Like if you have a 16K jumper, the 32K jumper, et cetera. And then you can actually see it's writing to the RAM here. You're just doing a bit of a demo on that. I'll just play a little clip from right A DRAM on, uh, for example, the bit, the one that is working for the bit uh, D1. Okay, here we have uh, U14, which is uh, D0, D1, D2, and so on up to D7. So, for example, I have removed the bit on uh, the RAM responsible for the bit D1. I clear the log, and now I turn it on. So see, and now you see that bit one is always bad error, because there's no RAM there. Yeah. But this will actually identify to the chip specifically the, which chip is giving you a problem. Here, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pattern, we see that we have one bit that is incorrect, which is the one before the last one, which is really D1. Because you know here the bit are represent from 7 to... Um, and he actually shows a little bit of the video too where he actually had a bad RAM chip. The RAM was mostly working, but it would just you know screw up on certain addresses and stuff like that. So it'll even help you detect that. I mean, it still means you have to replace the old so chip. So an intermittent bit. chip. Yeah. yeah. The intermittent issues are more difficult to... Uh, so how do we get one of these? Uh, I'd probably just contact him on YouTube, actually. Um, was it on Facebook? Easiest. Was it posted on... I think I saw this on Facebook. It but might have been Facebook too. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, it's on Facebook too. 
Okay. So it's in the Coco group on Facebook, and he's also got the YouTube channel here. Um, yeah. I believe the links have been posted for both. So. Yeah, no, that is really cool. And just to show you here, like here right he's removed now, all the RAM. The Coco with absolutely zero RAM memory. His, his English is fine to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad. It's not repulsive. Power on and still run the program. And right now we have many bits that are incorrect. And these are doing all the individual, all like can you write all the bits on and yeah, off? It and looks like you... that when the uh, RAM are not there, what we read back is always FF. Okay, all the bit at one, which is a little bit uh, logical. Yeah, the, the, you can see the address, the write, what you've the, written to that address, and what it reads back. So in this case, you're writing various files, and, and it's only reading screen, FF back every time. So we have, uh, and that's what the screen boots probably, up like if you uh, are on a Coco with no RAM. To, uh, FF, so I'll... Uh, the screen is around. So yeah, I mean, for the hardware tinkers out there that you know want to do RAM checks for people, this is an, an excellent little bit of the hardware because it requires no running RAM to run, which is unique. What I've is never seen that what before. type of serial connection is on the thing? Is it like a, a DB9, DE9, whatever it's called? I think or? you just got like raw wiring come off, and then you can hook it up to a DB9, DB25, whatever you. Okay. Whatever three you need three pins, home. plus minus, and ground. Yeah. Okay. And it's a it's a really cool. Does this have uh, a real-time clock by any chance? <laughs> it does do a proper walking bit test, so you would see two linked bits Xing out and things like that, which is cool. I like yeah, it. And for you hardware tinkers, like Paul and, and Rick and some of the others here, have you guys ever seen a RAM test like this where you don't actually need any functioning RAM whatsoever for it to run? What, like what's he using the stack? What, 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 no, there's he... no stack because there's no RAM to put yeah, the thing. It looks like YouTube died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, DeFrodo just said, oops. Uh, okay. Well, the show is still going, but uh, so much for the new internet. I wonder if this will work on a Coco 3. Now, that is interesting. Would it work on a Coco 3? Because the RAM... I think the ROM would have to be modified because you'd have to access the MMU stuff. Right. The, so the socket's only different. Access 64K. Well, the socket's different, too. Oh, right. Well, there's no socket. <laughs> it's soldered right on. Oh, Explore VR says it froze and now it's back again. Yeah. Maybe a local outage in your area, Stevie, that's mm, not I don't know. OBS related or something. Because well, we haven't dropped here as, as far as... That Zoom did pause on me for a second. Oh, it did for you? Yeah. yeah. Now, that is a really cool um, utility, though. Absolutely. And for people wanting hardware debug like older Cocoa ones and twos, here, yeah. I think it's an excellent, you know, thing in your toolkit. Yeah, well, I'm in, in the process of doing exactly that right now with the, the newest Cocoa one that I got was showed off last week. Yeah, RAM issues and stuff like that. So Yeah. This is interesting. Mm. Next up, Darren Atkinson, the person that designed the Coco SDC and the MCX 128 and a bunch of other things here is actually got another MCX MC10 thing here coming up called the MCX 32 SD. Now this is in prototyping at the moment, but he's expecting to have it on sale through Ed Snyder, of course, because Ed doesn't have enough projects to produce um, by the end of this year. So this is actually 32K of static RAM and it'll work with the Alice or the MC10. Uh, it has 120K of flash RAM, 16K or 16 banks of 8K each, and an SD card socket, um, which is interface to the AT Omega controller here. It also includes a new version of MCX Basic, version 3. 
So um, the MC Basic, for those who are not familiar with it, adds a bunch of the extended basic commands and stuff and brings uh, an MC10 almost up on par with the extended basic on a Cocoa 1 or 2. Um, but this also now has support for PMODE 3 and 4 because there is an internal modification you can do on the MC10 and the Alice to actually fix the problem where right now only the internal 4K of RAM can be used for video. So people were upgrading to 8K of internal RAM and then you know rewiring a couple things to fix it so that VDG could actually access the whole thing. And this version of MCX Basic supports that. The old one didn't. So now you can actually use PMODE 3 and 4, not just PMODE 0 through 2. It also has the um, MC server stuff built into the Basic as well for accessing the SD card and for DriveWire. So you can do all that stuff as well, uh, too. So this has got some new features that the original MCX 128 does not have. Well, the MCX 128 um, did have MC on there. Yeah, I, it didn't have a SD card, so it'll support those. Yeah, no, no. Right? So, yeah. so this is kind of a hybrid. The the thing that, um, what I'm hoping, because I like this, but I already have the MCX128, it would be nice if they could patch MCX Basic for the MCX128 so it can use the PMODE 3 and 4 too. Um, I and believe not, and not he have mentioned to buy somewhere on the page new... that he is doing that. Okay, that would be nice, just so I wouldn't have to buy a new thing. Not that I'm planning on doing a lot of P-Mode 3 and 4 programming on the MC-10, it's just, but it's, I have a product I've purchased. If he's got a better basic, it would be nice that it was retro, <laughs> retrofitted to the other product, too. Yeah. So. Now, one nice thing he does on here, on the SD card reader, and he doesn't even need to do this on the SDC, is it supports limited long file name support up to 39 ASCII characters, and we still have the 8.3 on the SDC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that'd be a nice feature. And then file types recognize it'll handle ASCII text. You can just load a basic ASCII test program. It uh, doesn't, doesn't even have to be on disk. Exactly. Uh, emulates uh, the C10 emulator files or raw WAV audio for loading in cassettes. Okay. Uh, machine language supports Cocoa Binary, the cassette and the WAV versions as well. Basic array files, which is more unique to the MC10's basic for saving arrays, can be a, a C10 emulator file or a WAV. Um, Basic and you can load it in PMO graphics screen as raw data too, without having to be on a disk image okay, or a cassette that's image. cool. There's what it looks like with the case. Yeah, no, it's cool. It, this is basically the MC MC10 SDC, is what yep. this boils down to. You know, um, which is a cool product. And then also because you know, the, if you have that you know modification internally in the hardware with the 8K RAM upgrade, mm -hmm. uh, then it also fixes the. Uh, you know, the VDG so you can access the whole thing. You can even page flip like 3K screens now too, which you I'm couldn't do I'm wondering what this is going to sell for because I'm as, as little as I'm ever going to use my MC10, I might just want to have this just to have it. <laughs> <laughs> Something I absolutely don't need and will hardly ever use, but I probably still got to have it. <laughs> right there with you, Stevie. Sign <laughs> me up now. I do have two working MC10, so I can have my MCX128 on one and this on the other. So, Take well, you gotta have something money. for your Jim Gary collection. Yes. Take, Take my money. Take my money. Yeah, because at this point now, you just go to Jim <laughs> Gary's website, download everything, put it on the SD card, pop it up, and MC10 away till your heart's content. Right. Nice. So. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> and I'm interesting to see if Jim, if Jim gets one of these, because he's been doing a lot of MCX basic stuff, like his Akalabeth mm. port, but mm -hmm. he's been limited to PMO two and under. Right. Right. And this way he can actually start writing stuff for the higher res graphics modes. This is match. like the this is almost like the gimme X for the MC ten, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> just, just so adding much. so much freaking <laughs> unimaginable capabilities. Uh, to <laughs> yeah, it adds extended basic, it adds uh, SD card support, it adds drive wire support, uh, extra custom ROMs, you can do all kinds of stuff. Paul Barton's it gotta go. Clock. Take care, Paul. Oh, that is nice. 
That is. I'm actually going to bring up his, his board here. I could I could skip it ahead, but is he already left or? Paul Barton. Yeah. He says he's got to take a break. I'm not sure if he's coming back or not. Okay. Uh, I have a question about the MC10. Yes. Okay. Did the MC10 ever get called the Myco in the US? Myco? Mm, because that's that's what it used um, to be called here in Australia. Rainbow Magazine did have a little nickname for it. What the heck? Yeah, was it? the was Mini Coco or something. Pike Pico or Michael was one of those. Yeah, Myco because it's when it boots up, it says Micro Color Basic, doesn't it? Micro Micro Color yeah. Basic. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Myco, it was called here. In, it, it was often called the Myco. But that's the, definitely an Australian style nickname. Yeah, Rainbow did try to stick a nickname on it in the early days, like in late 83. I can't remember what exactly they called it. Unless, Mike, do you remember what they called it? No. I'll have to dig out an old Rainbow to take a look. But It's it's good to see new hardware coming up the MC-10 and more expanded capability. It's just interesting that it only... uh, What's the amount of RAM? So this doesn't do the 128K like the MCX-128 did, right? Uh, It has 32K of static RAM, so you get a 32K... 128 MC10 out of it. And then 120K Flash is like includes the basic MCX Basic 3, but it has extra room for extra things if you want to add stuff later in the future, okay. too. And it's flashable. So okay, so that's kind of like the Coco SDC has the different banks, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so... 30- now, I do know, was it was it Darren that made the... Or was it Ed that made the... There was an MC10 add-on that also had joystick ports. Yeah, that was kind of like the PSG for the MC10, where it was a memory expansion, yeah. had a sound card, and uh, Atari joystick adapters. Because one thing they really need to do here is make an all-in-one that has that, because that's one critical piece from the Cocoa world that's not on the MC10. And if you get the joystick adapters they currently have, then you don't get SD card readers and all this other stuff added. They kind of need to make a central one at some point. Mm. But this is a pretty good upgrade on its own. Yeah, no, that's interesting. We need a multi-pack for the MC10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still won't have 16, for 16 slot MPI. <laughs> Put a real time clock in it, so I guess we're before the cocoa. Yeah, yeah, that would just be rubbing salt in the wound. And that's another thing they're also working on. They're working on an MC11, which is kind of like an MC10 clone plus, you know, an upgraded version of the MC10. So, I think we need one of these for the cocoa, but with Optane RAM, so it just insta boots. <laughs> Anyway, Ed is going to be making the 3D printed enclosure himself, and that's a sample showing up here on the screen. He's also going to be manufacturing and selling the product, and it's expected to be out before the end of the year. Cool. Just in time for the holiday season. Kids, ask Santa. (laughs) 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 Another step for sale here. We've got Jim Brain of Retro Innovations, who for once is not trolling us. So, of course, I'm going to feature his product when he's not here to smart ass it. Um. And I believe, Chet, you were the one that kind of instigated this, getting the clone of the original Symphony 12, which he's calling the Philharmonic 12. Uh, and this one here, he's got the, the bare board itself. You have to get your own chips and populate it yourself there, but it's only $6 for the board. Um, and this was, of course, a combination of four sound chips. You got three voices and one percussion channel per chip, so that gives you 12 voices and four percussion channels or noise right. channels. And uh, we had some software. I think Lyra supported the Symphony 12, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, it had its own software as well. Yeah, there was support in, in Lyra, but we can't, nobody can seem to find a version that has that in it. Yeah, because I think the Archive 1 doesn't have that particular. There's a little driver it had to load. Right. If I remember correctly. 
Yeah, I'm going to be ordering a couple of these and putting them together. I've got some code for it around here. You have to communicate with the ships through a PIA. So, it, I mean, it's pretty easy it, it, and, uh, and it works really good. So, Have you actually done some full, like, 12 voice music out of it type thing? Or? Um, no, I only I only use one channel. I, I, I couldn't find any um, any BGMs that I could use for that as, as part of the, the, uh, the conversion uh tool that i i did but um as soon as i find one i mean i'll get one up and running um i could i it was hard for me to do it because we were, i was doing it blind i didn't have a board for it yet and so when jim originally uh did these um i'd written up that uh just a quick player for it it's able to get you know pretty good sound out of it so i mean it's just uh, you gotta get the board and build it <laughs> and uh so Paul Martin's oh, cool. back. Keep, keep, keep us up to date on that. I know Bill Noble had one of these and mm -hmm. actually had a keyboard to plug directly into it. You could play polyphonic sound on it. Right. Um, we demoed it at one of our Cocoa Fairs up here in Saskatoon, and it was it was pretty impressive. So especially yeah, it's, get a, it's, a, it's a nice I board because you can... Mm -hmm. What's that, Paul? What? I ordered one of these, but I went to buy the AY chips, and I don't know where I can get them without getting them from England. Chet, do you know of an alternate source for the AY chips? I mean, Jim might, but he's not in chat today. So. No, I don't. I, I'm not aware of any. I mean, other than maybe eBay. Yeah. Okay. I well, maybe we'll get Jim on uh, next week, and he can kind of give us because I'm sure he he wouldn't yeah, have made all like the manufacturing this if there's no himself. place to get chips. Yeah. And Paul, are you going to okay. be able to stick around for a bit, or or? Yeah, you... I'm back. Oh, okay, good. Because uh, Steve had mentioned you, and your story's still coming up here, so I didn't want to make sure you okay. you were around for it. Yeah, so with this card, there two of the uh, two of the chips are on the left channel, and two of the chips are on the right channel, um, and so you can actually get some really really good uh, sound because I, th I think the way that, that Lyra did it was that it used each chip for a voice, so it would do you know mix three different uh, you know tones with the the the, uh, the noise in order to get a single instrument out of it. So you got some really really rich sound that's so do the the, the cool polyphonic stuff with the keyboards. Oh, cool. And then and if you have well, two chips on each side, then you've got stereo. What is it? Six voices and two percussion channels per side in stereo. Right. This right. is the card that you want to port Gyrus for as well, because Gyrus, one of the things about it is that it used the AY chips and a lot of them to do stereo in the arcade. Right. So this, with this board, you could actually support the original music and sound effects fully for that game. That might be a VGM for you to find there, Chet. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, if it's been uh, if it's been ripped, then yeah, I'll be able to, to get it because they just uh, they you have to hook directly at the chip or there, there's some emulators to do it. So I maybe actually may actually be able to produce it myself. Cool. Yeah, and I think Maine has support for this chip too, so you might be able to just wire in for them to the Cocoa Pie yeah. emulation. Actually, I've got a um, a port already started for VCC. Um, of this, it's, uh, it's uh, similar to the one that I did for the the chip that's in the Game Master cartridge. Um, so I mean, and that may end up, uh, you know, I may end up submitting that to the OVCC uh, crew that's over there, you know, doing their the, the thing for that. But yeah, it's it's not too difficult to to get that done. You could do it in, in MAME pretty easily. You just have to map it into the, the particular ports and uh, jigger it in with a PIA. Yeah, because that'll enable people to test it and, and even play it if they don't have the board yet, or vice versa, like you. You know, being able to program it and test it without actually having the board yet. Right. Yeah, so as I understand, I think there's a couple of people in the community that, that 
tinker around with with the MAME code, so they might be able to to cobble something together that's got you know that included with it at the at the same ports. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Tim Linder, I know, is st- still active in there. So, mm-hmm. I wonder uh, how much money um, would get we have to gather to buy all the goodies you can buy. You know, the MC10 stuff, the all the stuff uh, Ed sells, the stuff Pat makes. Uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe what See, five thousand bucks or something. Oh, it's one hundred eight thousand thirty-two cents. Well, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you do need a 64-slot multi-pack to plug them all into. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and a, or a and, lot of white cables. And a power generator. <laughs> yeah, you need your own grid. <laughs> Make sure you get that heat sink on there, too. Big-ass fan. Uh, that could make some, uh, you know, some real noise, some real uh, news for the cocoa, you know. Um, Paul Barton powered up his machine and caused a blackout for half of Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Bill when he fired up the PDP eleven in his apartment. <laughs> and if I remember right, this uh this is fully decoded, so you should be able to use a Y cable with it. Yeah, it won't go I'd over to, your yeah, I'd, have to, I'd have to take a look at the diagram for it again, but I'm pretty sure it was it was uh, fully decoded. And solder it to my old serial port. Yeah. Anyway, for those of you who are hardware tinkerers here, uh, it's only six bucks for the board. So, and then you just have to find the AY chips, and and we do have to get some software. To, like Chet's obviously right. I'd love to find the original Symphony Twelve software, but I don't think any of that's been found yet. Or the Lyra driver. Is it Lyra or Lyra? I don't even know how to pronounce it. I don't care. It's <laughs> <laughs> another way of saying I don't know. Yeah, of all, of all the things I've got to worry about in the Cocoa, that is probably not even on the list. That's I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of things that, that you can do the chip and, and I, I'm not sure that, again, I have to look at the, the diagram, but I'm pretty sure that if you drop in the, um, uh, the version of the chip with the, with the IO ports on it, you can use those as well. I don't know if you'd have to run some jumpers or, or whatever into it, but, uh, but yeah, so there's some, some options to, to tinker with this card and, and, and play with it some more. I'd like to see something running for these. Yeah. There is a constellation Lyra. Uh-huh. Is it spelled, spelled the same? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay probably. We'll, t- we'll take that as the official pronunciation then, unless Rich Perry comes yeah. by and corrects us. Yeah. Next Webster's step. We'll just change it again anyway. <laughs> Next up, uh, Alan Huffman put up a blog post on the alternate color sets that can be done on the 32 by 16 hardware tech screen. Um, so this is basically the screen zero comma one. Now, unfortunately, basic has a trap in it that as soon as you print anything to the screen, it immediately reverts back to the standard green. So you have to like, you know, print something and then like hold it with a four next loop or something. Um, but it kind of goes through here and also the inverse video of each. So there's your standard screen, which some people think is black on green. It's not, it's really dark green on dark green, light green, on light green, a yeah. nuclear green, eye sort yeah. of green. So that's what it really kind of looks like. And would, then poke, the, would, would poke 359 come as zero get around that, uh, Reverting it back? Yeah, I wouldn't use zero. I would use 57 instead. Okay. But uh, to yeah. be a bit safer. I mean, it's still not safe if you're doing disk IO to files and stuff there because it screws up the, the hook for basic. But I mean, if you got proper, you'd actually write a little you know thing that would call it back normally type thing afterwards. But there's the inverse version of that. Now, of course, the Coco VGA and the Coco 3 have palette registers, so you can actually change all of these to whatever the heck you want. Mm-hmm. And the Coco 2Bs with the uh, T1 VDG, of course, allow you to 
do the inverse video in software with one poke or chain hardware, I should say with one poke and then basic works perfectly fine with it. And uh, then you can also change the actual colors themselves and you fill in the border with a solid green if you want, or solid uh, orange or whatever too. So mm, nice. And next up here, uh, we've got uh, Darren Audrey. I believe he's Australian too, isn't he, Nick and David? Crikey. Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we shared a couple of short videos showing a cool visual trick you can do in BASIC. Uh, this works on the MC10 with the MCX, which we were kind of just discussing the sort of MCX sequel. And on the Coco 123, and I presume this works on the Dragon as well, uh, where you switch the graphics mode's resolution with the same scene the left drawn on the screen. And I think this is the technique that Steve Bjork used to do the blow-up sequence in Canyon Climber, where you know, the whole screen shakes up and down type thing. Because you're changing it on the fly. Now, you can change it, and he mentions it in the video here, that you you know, adding extra colons or you know taking out extra commas and stuff here, you can actually vary the speed and basics slightly to give you different effects. So here's a bit of weirdness 20 minutes, I'll just let it play um, This is something I used to do as a kid on my Coco, um, just flipping between two P modes. Uh, with a circle or whatever you want on the screen um, because they're using different vertical res um, the flipping causes an animation um, which uh, you know if you vary anything around line 50 or line 60 for example removing the comma ones uh, which aren't needed um, that'll change the speed of which the animation works just ever so slightly so you'll get a different effect um, anyway, um, just thought it's interesting. It's a bit like that um, phenomenon you get when um, you shine a strobe light onto a ceiling fan that's spinning. Um, it uh, you can kind of, if you get the right speed of the strobe light to almost match the speed of the spinning fan, you can make the the fan sort of look like it's slowing down or moving backwards. Anyway, check it out. Oh, wow. That is cool. There it is, the blob. <laughs> so that, that, that's, that's a pretty cool effect. And I, I, I've i seen it, you know, just to shake up a screen like you blew up, so we're going to shake the screen around. But actually, it's basic <laughs> slow enough, it actually almost it makes looks, it look animated. It looks know? fluid, you know what I mean? It looks yeah. like it's stretchy, malleable material. It looks like a water balloon or something, you know? It's uh, very cool. You're going to have to try that. It's... Good yeah, on that's, you. A, that's a pretty cool effect there. Good on you there, Daz. And then he did a Coco 3 version here. Or Coco 1 and 2 version, I should say. Now I'm gonna, I don't know if this zoom up thing is going to work. It's not going to work, sometimes. Curtis. You're going to break the internet, Curtis. All right, we'll leave it on here. i got to yeah. set the quality to HD, otherwise you don't see the actual striping as it actually would show up on real hardware. Oh, yeah. But it's a bit of a different effect because the timing's different on the basic. Yeah. Oh. And I wish they'd fix this stupid full screen thing. Anyway, pretty cool effect, though, I thought. And like yeah. I said, I think that's what Steve Bjork used in Canyon Climber for the screen shaking when you blow up the dynamite type thing. So you can even do that in Trick and Basic. And hey. Paul, since you're here. <laughs> I will just zoom up yeah. the picture and let Paul explain. I won't bother reading what he said here, uh, just because this is so cool looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my. I looked at all the Disto stuff, and got his schematics and f figured out what he was actually doing. And all the decoding stuff is in that 
2032 lattice CPLD. How come there's and, no wire showing on the top here? Yeah, right. Well, there's a couple of resistors. Uh, okay, so there's a CPU, and to the right is the data buffer, which I brought up to the board. So I got a whole lot of pins plugging the CPU and the data buffer back into the COCO. And then to the left of the CPU is a, a pretty fast static RAM for those times. It was probably either 15 or 20, 25 nanosecond, uh, 16 no, it was more than 16. It was 4-bit, uh, separate in, separate out, uh, ra just static RAM. And so I used that for the paging, uh, that uh, FF9B stuff, for, for the disto page switching. And so it's basically a 2-meg deal. Uh, 1 meg on the left, 1 meg on the right. The two chips in the middle actually buffer the all the address lines and the read-write, RAS and CAS from the cocoa up into these chips, but not the data lines. And it seemed to work just fine. I used it and it worked great. I have no idea where that board is now, uh, but it had a lot of pins on the bottom to plug it in. So it was the start of the NOCAN stuff. Yeah, and I actually had one of your Nokian 3s with the 8 meg upgrade, and you later took the design up to 64 right. meg and higher, if I remember correctly, too. Right. So this is how it got started. And you'll notice that it is a repack. There's a power supply on the left. Yeah, and the heat sink and transistor are missing. The keyboard's on a very long cable. I've had those keyboards up to more than three feet. With, with even just a regular PIA, not the custom chip, and it still worked fine. And of course, you can tell I got a different ROM in there. And then on the right, you see a little piece of Y cable that was actually plugged into the bottom of the game slot, which is needed because then it flips the pin rows over so they come out correct. So if you want to solder square pins onto your game card or whatever, you just plug it into the IDE cable Y slot and you're home free. And I, I mentioned too, like this is your first prototype of it. So when you got to the point where you're doing the NoCan 3, which had 8 meg of RAM, not just two, and you had right. 16,550 high-speed serial ports on it, and oh, you had your yeah. turbo mode and a light, and the board was probably, what, about half the size of this or less? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, these are probably 256K SIMs. So. And you had to use the multiple chip ones. You couldn't use the three chip ones because I'm actually using the refresh off of the Coco and not a custom refresh circuit. Yeah, that was the 8 versus 9 bit uh, sims, if I remember. Yeah, 8 or 9, either one. He just ignored the extra one, just grounded the inputs. Hey, for those of you who've seen the NoCan 3, because I brought it to the Coco Fest before and I've since given it to Jim Brain. Um, it's it's kind of a historical thing because this was the first one that broke the disto two meg barrier when when you once you got right. up to the eight meg versions and higher so that was the ultimate right. memory upgrade for a Coco three for decades, and now there's yeah. talk that you know the Gimme X and stuff will start supporting eight meg and higher again, but based on Paul's work from this far back. Right, right. Yeah, when I got the sixty four megabyte version, I was going to go bigger, but I just there was too much other stuff going on in my life. It just didn't work out. 
Yeah, and I remember Robert hits. Galt actually wrote some RAM disk drivers to handle the 64 mix, so there actually was some software support for it. It was a hell of a big RAM disk. Used it. And so it was a 62 megabyte RAM disk, and it took forever to fill it. I tried filling it once. It just took hours and hours. <laughs> I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing well, a 62 meg really memory used, copy on I a mean, Cocoa at 1.78 megahertz, not the quickest thing in the world. No, not. But once you get it filled, it's actually faster than uh, like a hard drive or a floppy drive or any of that stuff. Because the driver that Robert wrote was pretty quick. Yep. Especially on a 6 or a 9, because then you can actually do a TFM, you know, just between memories. So. Right. So I got it all loaded in, but then my dad turned my cocoa off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, save that well, electricity. That was the one thing. That was the one thing about the eight meg and the sixteen meg. Those other ones, it had that auto refresh circuit. So even if you did a reset and didn't hold it down, but just pushed reset, went right back into Nitrous Nine, it was still there. So you could just reboot it and reinitialize it, and all your stuff was still in RAM disk. It never went away. As long as you didn't turn the power off, it, it kept it, even though you had to reboot. Yeah, I remember Alan DeCock used that, too. I don't think he had one of your boards. I think he did that on 512, but he had a RAM drive that was set up specifically to do the same sort of thing where you could reboot and, you know, if you crashed, if you're testing something. As long as you had overwritten the RAM drive, it would still be intact on your next reboot. Hey you guys, I noticed uh, and I used that. I Go noticed ahead. I noticed when um now that I have uh, two megabyte on my Coco uh, and you have DSDC in and you um play something and you turn it off and turn it back on again right away it, you get nothing, just an okay prompt. You have to actually wait a little bit yep. so the memory will clear yep. and then it'll the work. distos did that too. Yeah. Um yep. not yep. used to that. Yeah. And then the last story we've got for today, Kevin Ray posted a picture of his July 1983 Rainbow Magazine, which was a second anniversary edition. Uh, and this was the one that had the famous record inside of it. Who posted this? I thought this was Randy Weaver. Or Kevin Ray, never mind. I thought it was Randy Weaver who posted one of these. Never mind. Okay. I was... <laughs> So I have, this, I have this issue, too, and I had the record, but I've long lost it. But basically, it was a little pullout. You would actually peel it off, and there's these little flexi disks. And that little spot on the right-hand side of the inside there that you had to put a coin on to keep it level because it would just bounce around too much and give you errors. But basically, if you had a record player that had a headphone jack on it, you could just plug in the black plug from your cassette deck into the record player, and then you could play and load these three basic programs in without even having a cassette tape at all. So it was kind of a neat idea. I know the Commodore 64 and a few other uh, systems also had times where they did the flexi-disc type thing to load programs too. I can't remember if Rainbow was the first. It was the first one I'd heard of at the time. Uh, maybe somebody else beat them was to this it. But it was stereo by any chance? No. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> how long would the record last? How many times could you play it? I don't have a clue. Um, like I said, I <laughs> lost mine very early yeah. on, so it, uh, yeah, I don't anybody... know why I thought Randy Weaver, I was, cause when I was reading some of these, maybe Randy had posted before or after or commented on it, but I don't know why I had Randy Weaver's on the brain I think there. in the comments there, they say that you can only play it through a few times before the needle tears it up. Okay. Yeah. I did not have that problem. I had it for over a year and I used it dozens of times and I didn't have that problem. Oh, good. 
So I think it just maybe depends on the quality of your stylus or whatever on the record player. Right, but right. I believe that he did yeah. mention that these are all in the. Are they in the archive? The games? Yes. Okay. They're, they're also on the Rainbow and Disc and Rainbow, Rainbow and Tape and for that same issue. But yeah. This was okay. a way for people that did not have Rainbow and Tape or Rainbow Disc. Right. It's definitely a cool collectible. It's something yeah. that you don't see every day. And, and Rainbow did this the. I mean, the first anniversary is when they first went and got color covers and stuff. So that was the first anniversary. And then for the next few anniversaries, they tried to do unique things every time. So, like, the second anniversary was the record. There was another one that did Scratch and Sniff Adventures about those six boxes where you'd get <laughs> play the adventure game and said, you find something, Scratch Box 3, to figure out what it is. And, oh, that's pine needle smell. That must be pine needles and that type of thing. So they did a lot of innovative things on their anniversary editions for a few years. That's augmented uh, reality, man. <laughs> hope they didn't have any horse <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's what they probably smell like now after you scratch them up for yeah. 30 years. I don't know. I remember Mad Magazine had an issue where they had a disc like this. Yeah, they had multiple ones. They had the one with the uh, Super was, Spectacular yes. where they had different endings every yeah, time you played nice. it. Yeah, it had eight, eight interwoven spirals, and whichever wherever the needle would drop, it would play one of the eight versions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I had that one too. Yeah. I wore mine out quickly. <laughs> what was the thing at the end of the Mad Magazine where he folded it? Uh, you folded. Yeah, the, Al Jaffe this, did the oh, yeah. fold in. Yeah, yeah. Did Rainbow ever do anything like that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was the last news story for the day. So uh, oh, time to wake up. Hey, Mikey, <laughs> he's back. Mikey's back. All right. Well, we had some internet interrupt us a few times. Uh, I've been having some internet issues and. The new service that I switched to hasn't necessarily fixed that problem completely. So uh, does uh, now the you can complain now. Yeah. Does the new Windows have a new blue screen? Because I saw this blue screen come up and it said your PC needs to reboot, and it's a really low res screen. It's blue. It's a light blue. Has anybody seen that? With the smiley face. Oh, Windows ten. Windows ten. Yeah, it does do that. Yeah, yeah. First, yeah. First time I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's a lighter blue than the usual Windows blue screen. Well, yeah. we start your computer for you. It so looks like thing. an eight-bit screen too, because it's yeah. not. That's a daily yeah, thing yeah. for me. Yeah, really. See, I haven't had a blue screen since. Oh, she. Shoot, every Windows. Oh gosh. Almost every time I stream, it was a blue screen of death. <laughs> I tend to use green screens now. Mm-hmm. They work better. Hmm. All right, well, we've covered project updates and acquisitions, but before we sign off, does anybody have anything else they want to talk about? And what I'll do while you guys are thinking about that, I just got a message from Brian Joyce. He says he did an update. Remember the, uh, what did David Ladd break, this thing where the Cartman's head exploded? (laughs) You remember that one? He says he's done a new one, but he probably put it in my old Google Drive, which I have to find. So I'll look for that. So I don't know if you guys have any any last parting thoughts or things you want to talk about. Talk amongst yourselves while I'll see if I can find this file that uh, Brian Joyce sent us. So uh, does anybody know, do you think it's possible to take, if you have a, um, you know, a Coco VGA machine and you have this VG6 screen, do you think it's something you can put in your SDC and have it boot up like the Coco 3 can? Is it possible, do you think? Well, what loads that program? Is it a basic program that loads it? It's a uh, viewer program. No, it's a... Uh, yeah, there is a there is well, a viewer program. Well, make your autoexec.bass run that program, no? There is a viewer program for those SG6 files. I have it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, and the idea is 
basically, I think, would be to take the program that's in that and somehow modify it so that it runs with the the, vid, the screen. I don't know. I have no so, idea. Well, the autoexec.bass is what runs when the STC boots up, so have that run whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. there's a file you rename that normally you run STC Explorer with. Yeah, no, he, Ron knows that. He's already doing yeah. that. He's doing I've, that. I've done it. Oh, you could, you just, could run your screen and then have your screen. Yeah, you just need, you need to get, I'll see if I can't find it. My stuff's not running right now. So maybe reach out to Brendan Donahue as well. Um, yeah, because he gave me one to load the SG6. file is different than a bin file. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm, oh, there's your problem. It's a different image. And so it needs a different image display program. But that program exists because Brendan gave it to me. I have it. But you're going to probably be able to get it from him quicker than you get it from me because I'm going to have to find the Cocoa, plug it in, find the file. So if you just message him on Discord or on Facebook, he can get it to you. Yeah, it will be a basic program. It'll be, it'll be just like instead of loading Sockmaster's image viewer, you're going to load Brendan's SG6 viewer and put it in, put it in your startup file. Well, yeah, that I've done. I, I have the viewer. That's cool. But what I'm saying is, can't the... Um is there a program that you can make a VG6 into a bin file so you can auto, you can tell it basic to execute the, the file, just like a, a BIN file? Oh, you want to make it a, a, a program where you can do a loadem exec? Exactly. Okay. And then have it in the um, SDCX. Okay, I see what you're saying. Now, again, that's probably a question for Brendan Donahue. Okay. Because he gave it to me. He gave me something in basic to load it up and display it. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm sure the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure where Brian put the file right now because the way I'm using Google drive is different. So we'll have to, we'll have to give that offline. Um, I, I would like to see the, the new thing that he sent, but what we could do just for grins and giggles is that we, um, I can play the old one because I have the old one. Um, and the floppy life commercial. Yeah, since Brian's here, Extructus Productions will play that. We're not, we'll come back for parting thoughts, but yeah, this, the uh, whole, what the David Ladd break, and then the floppy life. And then we did get some professional voiceovers on that floppy life commercial too, for those who listen to the audio uh, podcast version of the show for their listening pleasure too. So how about a little bit of David Ladd as we celebrate the life and times of David Ladd and may uh, God rest his soul. He's still with us, but we're going to celebrate his life and times anyway. So hold on. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you excited? <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, it's going to be a great show. I can feel it. Oh, Let's gosh. get our cocos going. And now these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Good night. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar... Stop right there! Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar, go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of... Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4 Pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 This portion of Coco Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement 
plus Cblex, fought to help you with your floppy life. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes. Then... All hard drives and SSDs died, but the floppy survived. And the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. Eight slot MPI, floppy drive, Coco SDC, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four slot MPI. David Ladd. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. And there we go. There's our tribute to David Ladd. You know him. Yeah. You love him. Woo-hoo. The Lord of the Floppy. The Duke of Digital Data, Sir David Ladd. Um, great show Duke today, guys. Yes. Have we missed anything? Is there anything that we have withheld from the audience that we now need to I think unleash? the only thing we've missed, uh, I think, is useful content. But other than that, we've <laughs> 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 oh, that's it. Big old dumpster fire. That's like every week. Yeah. Yes. Paul T. Barton, thank you for being here today, sir. Always a pleasure to have oh, you, you on. We love it. Ron Delvo has been here. Yep. Ron, how you doing? Uh, for those of you who are not sure what to be for Halloween this year, you might want to run out and get yourself the Ron Delvo costume. Um, I got mine. I got my Timberman beard that you can put on. And uh, no actual trees were harmed in the making of this beard, just so you guys know. Um, we've had David O'Connor here from Australia. Crikey. Thanks for being Dave's, here, David. Dave's here. Yay. I haven't uh, haven't been uh, piping up as much as normal because of this uh, stinking eleven day migraine, but I love being on the show. So. We love we love having you. Um, reminds me of the uh, of the South Park episode. Hey man, you're not wearing your mask over your nose. It's just a chin diaper, right? So that's what I mean. <laughs> it's a chin diaper uh, so oh, yeah. <laughs> from the Great White North. L. Curtis Boyle has brought us Game On News and regular news and snoozy news. Thank you for being here, Curtis. I, I exist only to serve Michael's uh, nap time. That way, and also purpose. to help Ken Reichard get his uh, HIO up to your standards. So uh, Finally. But he yes. did. So yeah, I he did. Credit. He got he got with it. The for man sure. whose name is so nice, he just can't get tired of hearing it. He needs more and more segments. Oh, where he bring can it on. on. Yes, it yes. is. Oh. Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta. Thank you for being You're here. Bad for my ego in a good way. Or that good is a bad way. I just can't quit you, Nick. So, um, where do you think it is? We don't have any women on this show. Man. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, obviously, because Nick Marotta stole them all after we yes. published his old, you know, Teen Beat magazine. That's right. Isn't he dreams? <laughs> you just contact him directly. Bypass the rest of us. 
Not even half a woman or anything. Yeah, and for those who forget <laughs> what it's like to... Oh, I just... You've caught David. Some of you are married, at least. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, Brian Weasler, with your collection of gays. Thanks for being here again, sir. Always a pleasure to have you. Of awe. Hey, you're welcome. Maybe we I'll could be, have uh... a, a wife show, and everybody's wife or girlfriend could come on. Yeah. That'd be that cool. would that would be a short work. episode. Planning <laughs> <laughs> about how much you guys spent on your Coco stuff. Coco Wives Club. Maybe right, time oh, for another uh, edition of Good Idea. Can you believe he bought idea. this? <laughs> no, you how know many what? Dumpsters did it take to get rid of all of it? You know what? Right. I think I think we can combine this with a virtual Coco Fest and maybe make it an auction. So the <laughs> Coco Wives <laughs> auction. <laughs> What was your first game you played on the color computer? <laughs> oh, you never had a chance to play. <laughs> your husband kept, there. kept playing. I remember it, what, what like uh, game on game that was, the mm. first one. <laughs> Chad Simpson, thanks for being here, as always. Yep. yep. All that you do. Michael Furman, thank you for staying awake during the news today. That was very nice of you. Oh, yeah. I actually learned something. Hey, uh, I have one question about the uh, about this week's game, so come come back to me for the question. Okay. Rick Eulin, thanks for being here and for all those cool pictures of all those Cocos you're working on. That's good stuff. A pleasure as always, and now I must re-enter the fourth level of KeyCAD. Mm, Jason Reichard, uh, I'm sure you're working on another product involving a switch at some point in time. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, yes, Steve. <laughs> Are you excited about toggle switches? I know I am. Oh, I, I am so excited about toggle switches. I've oh. got a whole, whole drawer full of them over here. There you go. <laughs> Can they change our lives? Oh, yes. Why are your drawers full of, of switches? Mm -hmm. Mark Bosley. I have a problem. <laughs> yep. I just got to say thanks to Curtis. I really appreciate the cold front you're sending me. Oh. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> so I got to get out and mow the yard before it gets here. Okay. Alan Murphy, thank you for being here, sir. Yeah, man, for not having a topic, it sure does generate a whole lot of... Not a hot air, this balloon. Fill, yeah. yes, I'd does. hate to see what happened if we had a topic. Oh, hmm. God forbid. <laughs> That's when we have the six-hour shows. Yes. <laughs> of course, we saved the best for last. The creator of the trash can, the best part of Nitrous 9, was created by Nicholas Morentes, the trash can. Thank you, Nick, for being here. We look forward to the 19th game you'll be cranking out this year. Um, Stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still have all of November and all of December, so I expect that's it. To yeah, more. we need yeah. another three games. <laughs> Maybe you could do a cheap semi-graphic knockoff of something. You never know. So, um, yeah, I just told my wife oh, they're going to have a, a a wife's version of Coco Talk. You want to do it? She said, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be oh, a common answer. Two letters, one word. Think about sounds it. about right. No. And to our viewers in the audience, Brian Joyce has been here. Frodo has been here. Daryl has been. Oh, I can't scroll back any further because I, I kept losing the stream. But we've had a lot of people in the live chat today watching the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing this god-awful experience with us all. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Start playing Rampage, the game for next week. And say goodbye, everybody.